Well, anyway, let me repeat that we are on WSQF 94.5. This is the 5 to 7 hour, the Concrete Conservative, waiting for conservatives to call us in, and we pretty much get a feel for what's going on nationwide. We get a pulse uh, for yeah. what our conservative movement is doing. Anna Polina is based out in Oregon, and, and so we have people all over the country. Oh, so that's why she calls it Bigfoot Country. Yep. Yeah, so uh, I wonder why she chose, that would be a question to ask her, why she chose Oregon. Her well, husband, because she's in the Army still, in Army Reserve, and her husband is, and they were a station to some uh, post out there. Oh, that's the answer. Yep. Well, as you can see, the, the she's a patriot, and she's a gun-toting. Absolutely. American patriot on her Instagram post. She's always got a, some type of long-range rifle in her hands. She's you know, always packed to the gills. As a military person, should be expected, but... Considering our times today, we should all be packed. And uh, eventually we'll all be walking around like the OK Corral because these Muslims just won't give up. I was uh, looking at uh, our show this afternoon after the Concrete Conservative. We have the Statues and Stories segment. And we're going to be talking about Thomas Jefferson's address to the Muslims who were causing problems back in 1800. And the reason for creating the, the, the U.S. Marines was, you know, notice how Ed doesn't turn off the alarm, you know. It just, I tell him to turn off that phone when we start the show that nobody should be able to call him and distract him or I, but he doesn't do it. Well, we have, uh, many of our callers have to contact me that way. Yeah, so that's his excuse. Instead of, you know, just, they basically say, well, I can't get into the station because we don't have call waiting here. Why should we? Because, you know, why should we have these giant switchboards of, for 20 callers, because, you know, we're a small radio station. So, Community-based, not-for-profit, right? We're a small radio station, 165,000 people, which are all are listening in the minute they hear my voice. You know that. <laughs> there must be people pulling over the side of the road just well, to... Not only FM. No, don't pull over the side of the road. Just put on FM 94.5 or online at wsqfradio.com or... Forward sa- slash live. Oh, yeah, you got to click live. Or satellite www.radio.garden. You know, you notice how Ed is really not that hip. He he's still doing www. You know, he's you know he's www. That's Texas dub, Instruments dub, dub. calculator stage. You Absolutely. know, Absolutely. yes. I if I had, I would have my uh, pocket protector for my pens. That's when that's that's when society started going downhill. No. As soon as the calculator was invented, people no. stopped thinking. Period. Now. I, before someone calls, it's, uh, maybe, I don't think I can read this in two minutes, so I'm going to have okay, to wait. Okay, what is that? Yeah, wait, wait. But there was an article in Newsweek magazine of a person like yourself who was raised in his early years in the communist revolution of Cuba. Oh, okay. And he says, before you dingbats start voting for socialism. Oh, yeah, that was on uh, New York Post. Yes. They had that, Yes. And uh, is Enrique Padron. Right. I don't have the faintest idea who he is. He works for uh, Congressman Diaz Bolart as a community rep. Oh, don't say He's, community organizer. No, no, community uh, rep. Community rep. Well, since you know a little bit more of the backstory, but I have the the printed copy here. Yep. I'm afraid to go to read it, so that it just tells you that it's it's bad. I mean, it's, no, but it's it's more than just bad. People think that communism is just like this alternative. It's not. It's like Satan coming in and taking your country. Right. Food lines, 
uh, rats, people ratting you out in your own neighborhood. Look at Venezuela. All right, here it should be Laura. We'll talk about that. You better later. be on. You better be ready. This is WSQF ninety four point five. You're speaking to Mac and Ed Vidal on the Concrete Conservative Show. You're now live. Who do I have the pleasure to speak with? Laura, how are you? A friend of uh, Mr. J.J. Flash uh, Dolan, correct? Yes. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? Laura, thank you for calling. I should tell our guests and our uh, listeners that you are a leading free speech activist. Is that correct? Would you agree with that? I, I would agree, yes. I've done a lot of work uh, trying to expose the censorship and deplatforming of conservatives. And as somebody who... Uh, has been censored and is probably the most censored woman in America. I know a lot about social media bias and censorship and deplatforming. Well, I was I was censored too back in the day. Go ahead, continue. I got my story to tell too. Well, so Laura, what why don't you tell us about what you've been up to recently? Where where you have run into uh, censorship? Well, uh, censorship is a really big issue that's been affecting a lot of people for a while now, but. Um, I was permanently banned on Twitter on uh, November 21st of 2018. And I was banned for a tweet in which I called Ilhan Omar anti-Jewish. And we all know that that's a factual tweet because yes. Ilhan Omar is anti-Jewish. Right. He's been condemned by members of both the left and the right in this country for her anti-Semitism. Yep. And, uh, and as a result, um, I was banned by Facebook for 30 days the day after I was banned from Twitter. I had uh, 265,000 followers. I was getting about 150 million impressions per month, and I was shut down in silence simply because I was effective. Okay, and, but uh, the Wall Street Journal just uh, published a report in January uh, about how CARE, the Council on American Islamic Relations, actually lobbied Facebook and Twitter to ban me. And so what we know about CARE is they are a designated Islamic terrorist organization. They are right. essentially Hamas in America, uh, a mouthpiece for the Muslim Brotherhood, funded by Qatar, which sponsors terrorism worldwide. And they asked Twitter. They secured meetings with Twitter and Facebook executives and asked them to ban me. And so they banned me. Well, Laura, listen. It is clear to me, and I think to other observers, that companies like Twitter, Facebook, and I would also add Google, they are incorporated in America, they were founded in American capitalism, but they are not American companies because they don't have American political values of freedom of speech and freedom from oppression and surveillance. They are not Americans. That's the key point. So it, we, you know, we can complain about Facebook, we can complain about Twitter, we can complain about Google, but, and I think that there is a legal case against them because they pretend to be platforms, not publishers, and yet they engage in censorship, which makes them publishers. So there's a legal case to be made against them, and hopefully now that we have a real attorney general, uh, the, uh, the executive branch will grow a pair and start looking after these companies. But the bottom line is these companies are not American companies. We have cases of Google refusing to do military work, or, or uh, Microsoft is another one, refusing to do military work for the Pentagon, and yet collaborating with China in spying on Chinese and other citizens. So these are not, that's a key point. They are not American company. America is an ideology, an experience, a lived experience. And these companies are incorporated in America. They benefit from the American free enterprise and capitalist system. 
They are not American. Well, why would you say yeah. that? In the case of Microsoft, if they were founded by Americans and they... They refused w- to work for so the So they're Pentagon. behaving un-American. Yes, they're behaving. Yeah, that's what, it shows their values, their principles. They don't love America. They don't love freedom of speech. They don't love all the rights that we take for granted in the Constitution. Well, you might as well include the Democratic Party along with it. Well, that is true. The progressive movement has been around for 120 years. And it has failed. They are an anti-American movement. Going back to Woodrow Wilson, they wanted to recreate America or fundamentally transform, as Barack Obama said. The progressive movement has taken over the Democrat Party. It wasn't always that well. Well, look, they got themselves a congressman, well, a Muslim congressman. But by... that's been going on. Yeah, they, they've taken over the, the, the Congress. They've taken over the universities and the schools. They've taken over the mainstream media. And that's where we are. They've taken over. They're very big in big tech and corporate America. So what do you say to that, Alora? You have these multi-billion-dollar tech companies, which are established in America, and they get uh, incredible protection for being platforms when they're really behaving like publishers. Uh, and they're getting money from the government. A lot of people don't know that, which means you know you're not a private company. If you're getting money from the government, which is money that's you know obviously taxpayer dollars. So. When people say these companies are private and they have a right to censor people, well, that's wrong. That's factually incorrect. What I want to know is, you know, we have laws in this country. It is, it is illegal. It is a crime to uh, work with terrorist organizations. It's a crime to aid and abet terrorists, okay? Especially terrorist organizations that are recognized as such by the Departments of State and the United States government. So why is it that executives from Facebook and Twitter are allowed to secure meetings with members from CARE, which is Hamas, right? This is not a conspiracy. This was found during the Holy Land Foundation terrorism trial that CARE has ties to Hamas. CARE supports Hamas. Uh, CARE is the branch of Hamas in America. Uh, The founding members of CARE were organizing meetings with Hamas. And as you know, the Department of State recognizes Hamas as a terrorist organization. In their charter, it calls for the killing of Jews and the eradication of the state of Israel, yet these are the people right. who are meeting with Jack Dorsey, Mark Zuckerberg, other uh, high-level officials, asking them to ban people like me because of my work in which I expose them and their candidates. Here so, is the same organization that Ilhan Omar uh, right. is endorsed by. And, with and she sits on the uh, House Intelligence Committee right. so she can get right. fresh information okay. in Congress. Yeah, so, Facts like 
the fact that Siraj Lahaj, a co-conspirator in the 93 World Trade Center bombing, is one of the key fundraisers for CARE. He has attended events with Ilhan Omar. And so when you post these facts on social media, you get banned. You will get banned for posting facts about Islam. And so these companies are literally working with designated Islamic terrorist organizations to silence Jews, to silence conservatives, and to silence all opposition right. about Islam and, and their Islamic candidates. And that's why people like myself are banned from, from okay. Twitter. But groups like Hamas and the Muslim Brotherhood have uh, Twitter accounts. Okay, but you have to understand who you're dealing with, Laura. I already told you that the companies are themselves are not Americans. They don't love America. They th- they they think that you're Islamophobe, uh, and so that which I think is wrong. I think it's not a phobia if there's a reasonable basis for concern. But the reason they're not being prosecuted and talked to by the U.S. Department of Justice and other law enforcement agencies is because those people are cowards, number one. And number two, they're not very American either. They are afraid of being seen as being Islamophobic. So that's why I'm hoping that the new attorney general will, as I said, grow a pair. But that's the problem. yeah, well, uh, regardless, I've decided to take a stand, and so this last week I um, I filed a lawsuit against Good. Twitter and Care. So, you know, I'm suing them. I'm suing them, and if you read the complaints, it's very damning, and all the evidence is there. Good. And uh, and so that's how I'm... I'm and you're, what, what, court, what you, citric court are you yeah. filing it in? I um, filed in the state of Florida, and so we'll see how far this goes, but if I have to take it all the way to the Supreme Court, oh. I'll take it all the way to the Supreme Court, because... We need to get to the bottom of this issue once and for all. I mean, it is really a criminal activity when you think about it. American companies and executives should not be working with terrorist organizations to uh, lobby to shut down, um, you know, exposés and, and, and speech that exposes Islam for what it is. And, and speaking of uh, illegal lobbying activities, right, on behalf of foreign agents, uh, you can lose your uh, nonprofit status for right. doing things like that. So why does CARE have a nonprofit uh, IRS status which allows them to be tax exempt? Well, look who's at the IRS, Lois Lerner. She's not there anymore. No, but that's a type of person that's right. there. Right, but this is the thing that the media needs to be talking about. Forget it, the media is even worse. officials need to be talking about, but yep. unfortunately... I mean, Fox News is pretty useless. Look yep. what they just did. They suspended Judge Janine for right. two weeks yep. because she spoke truth about this. And then CARE called on her to be fired, and Fox News almost bent over for the terrorists to care. Agreed with so, you. I mean, we're totally compromised. Conservatives don't even have a strong uh, media in their favor because all of these people care more about their reputations and their multi-million dollar contracts than they do about saving America from right. subversive Islamic organizations. Now, Laura, who is doing the litigation? Because we've had a lot of public interest, conservative and libertarian uh, law firms here, like the Institute for Justice, right. Pac- Pacific Legal Foundation. Uh, the yeah, new... my, my attorney is Ron Coleman, and Ron Coleman is also representing Gavin McGinnis in his okay. lawsuit against the SPLC. And so, um, you know, it's not cheap. I hired the best attorney possible for the job. Uh, Gavin McGinnis is having uh, an immense amount of uh, success with his lawsuit filing. Uh, the founder of SPLC has had, well, he's been fired. Uh, yep. Multiple members of SPLC have had to resign in disgrace. Good. And uh, Twitter, Twitter just dropped SPLC as one of their safety partners. And right. so clearly the lawsuit is having... Um, okay, now do you do you have a, a GoFundMe account or something like that that you can tell our audience? 
GoFundMe, but people can support my work at freeloomer.com. That's where my legal defense fund is. I need to raise at least $300,000 because I'm taking on a terrorist organization funded by Qataris and one of the world's uh, most powerful big tech social media companies, Twitter. Right. So, so why don't you um, give I us... need people to reach into their pockets and support my work, even right. if it's just $1, $5, but it's going to cost a lot of money. But my lawsuit is a vehicle for Americans to finally fight back against the tyrannical censorship that is happening. And so... I would encourage everyone to stand up for free speech and go to freeloomer.com and donate today. And even if you can't afford to donate, you should read the complaint. The complaint is at freeloomer.com at the top of the page, and your mind will be blown. Everybody needs to wake up and see what is happening in this country and how these executives are literally meeting with jihadists to silence uh, conservatives and Jews in America. It is well, look what they're willing to do to the president of the United States. The whole Congress insisting on going after the president on basically, basically stall, using using Stalinist tactics yep. to just file uh, a, a special prosecutor well, case Laura, against the president. Laura, I'm surprised that uh, you know there are a lot of Jewish organizations like the Anti Defamation League and and so on. How, how come they haven't come to your defense? doesn't care about me. I'm a conservative Jew. The ADL is part of the problem, okay? They're comprised of left-wing globalist Jews who work with groups like CARE to silence and censor conservatives. ADL is a proud partner with the left-wing uh, big tech companies to silence and censor people. And uh, the ADL has condemned me. They don't support me. And why would you as a Jewish organization be partnering with CARE? Yeah, well, yeah. Could you could you answer that question? Is it all? Is it always the money, or is there an exception uh, here? I think it's the money, but also, I mean, look, you have a severe form of mental illness that has um, infected a large portion of the Jewish community, and I'm Jewish myself. But you know, it's unfortunate because you have so many Jews who are so desperate to participate in interfaith dialogue with people like Care, right? And they don't understand that these people would kill them in a heartbeat if they had the chance. I mean. I don't understand why Jewish people are walking themselves to the gas chambers by aligning themselves with these uh, radical jihadist organizations. And so I would really encourage uh, Jews to uh, break away, walk away from the Democrat Party, join. Uh, you know, there's a lot of different groups that are leading Jews away right now. There's uh, justice, right? So please walk away. Wake up and save yourself before it's too late, because the Holocaust was less than 100 years ago. And when we say never again, we should mean never again. But by electing uh, Jew-hating, Christian-hating, American-hating, Israel-hating congresswomen who support ISIS and Hamas and are roaming the halls of Congress, people who have access to our classified information, all right, that is not ensuring that never again means never again. And so I need, um, I need everybody to read this complaint because... Uh, it has the power to really open a lot of people's eyes to just show people how deep this subversion has gone. And uh, I'm telling you, Jews, Christians, all Americans need a really big rude awakening because uh, we are we are inches away from losing our country. And Donald Trump is not going to be president forever, all right? We will be lucky if we get Donald Trump for a second term, all right, if the Democrats don't rig the election. And what is going to happen, all right? We don't live in a dictatorship. Donald Trump can't be president longer than two terms. Who's going to replace Donald Trump? So people better wake up. We have the answer, and his name is Ted Cruz. We yeah. just need support. Only, yeah, but, you know, 
only a Ted Cruz intellect can can actually get well, this message and across. Ted is a supporter of Israel. Yes. Yeah. And he was yeah, present. Ted Cruz isn't. Ted Cruz is no Donald Trump. I don't think like anyone really compares to Donald Trump. But yeah. uh, you know. We'll, well, are we? Uh, I mean, after the phenomenon, which is the Donald Trump train, we understand it's a phenomenon. But as far as articulating a message and inspiring people. Uh, to think clearly like you're trying to get us to do, you're going to need a, uh, a person like Ted Cruz, yeah. who actually puts sentences together actually, and actually yeah, sends actually, a message. You don't have to wait uh, for, until, uh, for, until Ted Cruz can run, because I think, Laura, I think what's happening is that this Mueller report has been a dud, and I can see real momentum among conservatives and among Republicans, because I think the Mueller report had an effect, which was to to tap down Republican and conservative enthusiasm during the midterms. And so the Democrats won the Congress back. But I'm seeing a lot of interest now among, say, candidates to run for Congress on the Republican line, especially down here in South Florida, where Democrats won two uh, congressional districts. And so I think you're seeing a lot of enthusiasm for the election next year, not only at the presidential level, but at the lower level, especially the congressional level, so we can take the House back. And, you know, for example, if the Republicans have a majority in the House, they can refuse to seat uh, these radical uh, congressmen. Well, yeah. Well, we'll see. I'm thinking of possibly running for Congress because things need to change, so we will see. Wow. Is that a new? Is that breaking news? Uh, no, I mean, you know, I was on Alex Jones' show um, a few days ago, and I've been talking about it on social media. But, yeah, I mean, I think I might uh, run for Congress soon. So, you know, who would, who would where, you be up district? against? Yeah, what district? Well, we'll see, because, you know, I'm deciding. I, I live in Florida, so I would run for Congress here in Florida. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, there's a lot of do-nothing rhinos who are in office, so I may have to primary some of these people. Or sure. which, is, because, which is also the reason why we lost... The House, because 43 yeah, of them didn't run for re-election. Very weak people. We have very weak people who think that they deserve to be in Congress when they are really not serving as a voice. Right. So I might just primary, I might just primary one of these uh, incumbent Republicans going into 2020 because things need to change. I think there's and, a guy uh, named Mast in South Florida. He's good, though. Well. well what it would, uh, you're, uh, are you familiar with who... who Congressman rep- Mast? Is, uh, yeah, who represents you now. Because that would be, why couldn't you just move into where Wasserman yeah, Schultz is and beat her? I live there. I mean, look, yeah, you brought up Ryan Mass. I mean, he's he's someone I'm thinking about, you know, potentially running against. Because Ryan Mass, he really, when you look at his policies, I, I, I wouldn't describe Ryan Mass as a true fighter for the Republican cause. I mean, right. this is a guy, right, this is a guy who has a weak record on immigration, he dances around the topic of uh, Islamic immigration. Right. Okay. Uh, He's he bad on guns. To, he caves to the radical left-wing students at Parkland and allows them to pressure him into, uh, you know, voting on restrictive gun policies. So we have a lot of people who really aren't serving the Republican Party's best interests. And, you know, some of these guys might just need to be primaried. A lot yep. of these guys don't really seem to care about tech censorship either. You know, I ran into Brian Mass at the airport once, and I talked to him about censorship and asked him if he was aware of what was happening, and he didn't really seem to want to give me the time of day. You know, he was texting. I ended up sitting next to him on the airplane, and he still wouldn't really uh, give me well, the time of day. So, Sounds look, like a good I, candidate. I, I, think that, I think that a lot of these Republican incumbents need to be uh, primaried and 
replaced. I mean, look, you, you see what the Democrats are doing. They're replacing their, uh, you know, long-standing incumbents with uh, radical left-wingers, communists, Marxists, okay? And look at they're getting all... And liars and thieves. <laughs> you got yeah, also no, include... I think the biggest problem we have is sometimes we... Uh, we try to thin slice our logic into thinking that it's anti-American or pro-American, as Ed is saying. And I always remind him, if you're a liar, you're going to lie. And yeah. if you and you no, but, steal, you're going to lie okay, about how Laura, and why you're Laura's stealing. Laura's point is good, because in, in, uh, in, in uh, the Bronx, Joe Crowley was beaten by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Yeah, well, nobody example. came to vote in that primary. Well, and then, right, uh, and so the people need something different. And right. look, I, I don't... I don't a lot of these people are nice people, right? But being nice isn't what's going to make enough. us win in Congress. It's time for people to fight back, and it's time for Republicans to stop being so nice and pleasant and playing by the rules. Yeah, be like well, your president. People need to get their hands dirty. People right. need to get their hands dirty. Well, well Laura, if you if you run if you run, we will support you. Thank you. Yeah, I I'm thinking of it. And you know, it, it's funny you mentioned Brian Mass because look. You know, the guy, he's a war hero. I respect his service. I respect what he's done for our country. Yep. But being a war hero doesn't make you necessarily a good congressman. Yeah, a la, a la John McCain. You can be a war hero, and you can, you know, have people's respect, and you can have your dignity, but it doesn't mean that you are a good congressman. It doesn't. It doesn't. The two aren't mutually exclusive, you know? You know, talking about uh, Jews, the... uh uh, both Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton um, put out a statement saying that they were they they sympathized with the Easter worshippers. And somebody somebody asked what 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 would they call Jews? Passover worshippers? What do you think, Laura? Well, look, these people hate Christians and Jews. Right. Okay? You see what they do? They constantly pander to Muslims. Yep. I want to know why is it that every single world leader had to condemn New Zealand and come out and and don the hijab and you know, in, just bombard everybody in the world with nonstop back-to-back coverage about this mosque shooting, okay? Right. Forcing people to have sympathy for individuals who were shot and killed in a terrified mosque that has produced members of ISIS, okay? No one wanted to talk about that, of yep. course. No one yep. wanted to talk about this the fact that this mosque was actually radicalizing people, okay? Right. Um, but all of a sudden, you know, three over 300 Christians are now dead, and the death And, and, and that includes Americans. Yeah, I mean, they said that the uh, the owner of ASOS, I think the guy's a billionaire. Right. Like three of his four children were killed. So right. I mean, I mean, it's it's terrible what is happening. And the the Democrats can't say the word Christian because they don't want to what they don't want to offend Muslims. I mean, look, people people give me a hard time because of my views on Islam, and they'll call me an Islamophobe and they'll call me a racist and a bigot. Uh, but they don't seem to understand how deep this subversion goes, okay? There's a reason why the Democrats, who have aligned themselves with uh, the Islamic movement here in America, won't say the word Christian. They won't celebrate Christmas. They're reluctant to support conservative Jews. They're calling for the banning and the silencing of conservative Jews, okay? It's because, just like just like Islam, the ideology of Islam, okay, they want to eradicate us. Right. They literally want to eradicate us, and that's what... That's why the communists, the Marxists, and the uh, you know uh, the Muslims have have so much similarities and have taken a liking to each other. It's because they all see right the way that you right. break down a society and the way that you 
break the people down and really we, it's called civilization jihad it's the goal of the muslim brotherhood here in america until they implement their islamic caliphate is to destroy morality okay and what do you do you attack people's religion morality a lot of morality comes from religious values and having faith and if you can take that away from people and you can delegitimize the meaning of what it means to be a christian or the meaning of what it means to be a jew okay you desensitize people and you create a faithless uh, uh, yeah, like Europe. Void of, of religion and, 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 and faith. Like Europe, and like basically. Europe, yeah. France has been, uh, yeah. been you know, desensitized you know, to the point where... Criticizing Islam is not racist because Islam is not a race-based ideology right. or religion. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, look, everybody with a brain understands that, but we're, you know, left-wing left, left logic is an oxymoron, okay? And so try telling that to the Daily Beast who constantly calls me a racist. Yep. Because of my factual statements about Islam, okay? Yep, yeah, look, yep, yep. Islam's not a race, so it's not racist. Everything I've ever said is completely factual. Yep. And I've offered to give these guys a check for $1,000 if anybody can show me anything I've ever said about Islam, which is factually incorrect. If anybody can show me anything about Islam that I've said, which is not true, I will give them a check for $1,000. But they don't want to. They don't want to take up my my deal. Yeah. I don't know why. I guess it probably means because I'm right. That's the only reason. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I can really think of. I noticed and that Beto O'Rourke called uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu a racist. Went out of his way to say it. There's no basis for that. Yeah. Well, you know. So much for Beto. Guy, He's being overshadowed by uh, Mayor Pete. Hispanic name. This is the guy who was caught on camera by Project Veritas using his campaign funds to fund the uh, the the infestation of our borders by this illegal caravan. So, I mean, look, I don't yep. really think that Beto O'Rourke is a voice of reason or somebody who should be taken seriously. Yep. If that were a Republican, he'd be in jail. But for some reason, you know, Beto gets away with campaign finance violations and Beto gets away with funding the caravan. So we have a problem. Well, the, uh, we can't thank you enough. And uh, John just uh, texted me, uh, wanting me to send his uh, regards to you. And he, he kudos for uh, the lawsuit you filed is what he said. Thank you. Yeah, go to freeloomer.com and you can read the complaints and that's where people can donate. Share it, post it, promote it because uh, people need to know what's happening. And Put it on our website. Pressure the media into reporting on this. But thanks for having me on. Thank yeah, you. absolutely. We'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll get you posted on our website, wsqfradio.com forward slash live. Plus, okay, great, thanks. Plus, we'll be sharing the, this podcast around, so you'll you'll be repeated over and over. Wonderful. Thanks for having me on. All righty. Take care. Yeah, well, that, thanks. Bye. That's interesting that she's thinking of running for Congress. That would be great. Uh, yeah. She's, Unfortunately, it's, it, it's a situation where, you know, if you run for Congress and you, you're you know, too hyperbolic— it almost seems like to get elected in this in this country, you have to be kind of like a tame animal, uh, a PC person. Uh, I don't know if, she, if... I think the coming election is going to be a lot like the 2010 election. It's going to be almost a Tea Party election. A lot of conservatives and Republicans were kind of, uh, you know, shut down because there was all this talk about Trump might get impeached, he might get... Might How can anybody resign. have believed That's any of thought. this? They're a bunch of wusses. <laughs> wusses. They're a bunch of wusses. Uh, it led by Paul Ryan, of course, and you see Mitt Romney and, still and doing it. And so many it. of these people didn't run for re-election because they were almost embarrassed by their 40 president. 40 congressmen uh, retired. 
So I think that the, this is a, this, uh, things are, are kicking back. There's a turning And you see point. what People she said. You see What's how that? she validated. What's that? Sitting next to Brian Mast. Oh, doing yeah. No, he's, well, that, imagine me in the education he's bad, fight. He's bad on the Second Amendment. He's not, he's not very good. This is WSQF 94.5 with the Concrete Conservative and Ed Vidal. Ed Vidal? Ed Vidal. Ed Victory Vidal. Who am I speaking with? J.J. Flash. What's up, Mr. Flash? You driving in the speed zone or what? Oh, man. We're racing the clock. And um, you heard our, our darling Loomer and her fight with care. That is a that was a great interview between uh, you two guys. That's uh well, I mean, it's, it's not that. Well, it's kind of hard with Ed always interrupting me. He wants to be the star of the show, and I told him I've yep. got the button, so I'm the star. <laughs> I can't uh, no, get. Uh, it was a big congrats to, uh, to yeah, Laura she... for taking on care. She's got a big, uh, big guts, big cojones. Oh, yeah. Well, what I'm going to do is uh, I may have uh, I've got a major uh, attorney friend who's actually already filed a huge lawsuit against. Uh, uh, you know, Larry Clayman, he, 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 he filed against Twitter, against Google, against Amazon. Can't you include he, me in a class action? Because, man, I my Twitter account has never gotten any traction whatsoever. I think I've been drowned out from the get-go. We may do something called a mass action, because a class action, the participants don't end up really with uh, any money. Now, he's already filed for like a billion dollars for the same kind of process. So I'll talk to Larry because you know my Twitter account gets absolutely no responses, no reaction, no nothing. They've neutralized and you. I think they neutralized me from the get-go. I I just never gotten. I got one response from somebody about two years ago, and I've got a considerable amount of tweets. And man, there's just nothing on there. I just have to feel like I'm blocked. I can't be They're shadowing you. That's what we call it. it yeah. It's called shadowing, huh? Yep. Shadow banning. Yeah, they do it a lot. Wow, it's amazing how nobody replies to some of the some of the. More generic stuff too. I uh, just uh, it's like I'm shut down. I I got. That's why I use JJ Flash on that Twitter feed because they don't really know or can't find out who. Well, here on the radio, I'm I'm Mac on the Rock, but on Twitter, I'm Mac and the Rock. So, you know, come on. Uh, unless you can associate the two, one's got a, a standing well, on a I'll rock. I'll start copying you on some of these tweets that we send to the president and to. Uh, uh, James O'Keefe, you know, Project Veritas, and Tom Fitton, and our other, uh, uh Well, what we got to do is, like... ...try to do God's work, like Laura. Yes, um, I, I find it really odd that we're a Judeo-Christian society that can't defend Judeo-Christian principles while the world is attacking us from all sides. Well, that's because we're, we're not a, a totally Judeo-Christian society. As I was telling you, big tech is not Judeo-Christian. Yeah, they're atheists. Yeah, and so that they're, they're a problem. Yeah. The, the Democrat Party is the same thing. Mainstream media, that's what we got. They're, 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 oh, they're all chasing the tacky, lazy, short, uh, you know, short-minded, uh, dumb-minded, uh, basically hyperbole news. Now you um, have you been hearing what's going on in the, on the Epic Times? Are, are you guys been reading the Epic Times lately? And why is that getting so much traction now as the alternative media source? Because simply because Trump uh, tweeted it. I mean, what what do you think, JJ? Well, I I actually know it's funny you say the Epic Times. I'm just sitting here. Uh, I was I actually interviewed on them at CPAC. They interviewed me. John Tang is the uh, founder and president. Uh, I forget that gentleman's name. Let me see if I have it right here. Lisa Wendell. 
Uh, this other guy that was actually doing the interviews, he was like nonstop for like uh, three days. I, I think he did like 115. But no, they had some very good insights. And yeah, it always helps when the president tweets out something about Epic Times. Uh, you're going to get a big boost in your following. Yes. And um, I'm trying to figure out what is it, what's driving the train these days to get real news. And if the commercial players who are advertising on these TV shows and radio, what, why, could, why should they care what the content of the shows are? If they're, if they're being heard, uh, there's a certain price. If they're being less heard, there's a certain price. But I don't think uh, they should be uh, controlling the news in any way or form. Like they, you know, they're trying to get Fox off the air and all. I don't understand it. I mean, market. Once you once you study your listener, it's a certain type of listener. But market share is market share. I mean, Fox shouldn't be shouldn't feel threatened. They're going to be losing their advertisers just because they're conservative. If they got market share, mm-hmm. it speaks for itself. So who would be manipulating the press? Who? In other words, who's paying for CNN to be this bad? Me. Well, I'll tell you what. If uh, I'm going to send you the link, like I told you, with a Mike Cernovich's uh, new film about uh, blood money, right? It's all about Qatar, how they bought the D.C. media. And we'll talk about that if you want me on there in an hour. i got to run some errands first, but okay. I don't know if you need me still at the 635 spot. Well, please, by all means, at 635, call again. And what we'll do is... Uh, I'll go through some of the stuff that Mike's done. He's actually hosting over, I told you, uh, his movie Hoaxed tonight up in uh, Michigan with Turning Point, Turning Point USA. So we'll see how that that goes. But the uh, the 22-minute blood money is just striking. You know, it's he's just, you know, hopefully he's not going to get targeted, but he probably will. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, we're all being targeted one way or another. It's like well, a badge. It's a badge. Laura Loomer, right? Yeah, it's Loomer, a Loomer, ba- James O'Keefe, James. You know, they. Ta- I don't know. I'll go through that too. What they did to him in New Hampshire. He goes in and, and shows these people what went wrong, and now they come after him. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a giant tactic. If we don't win this next one, I don't think we can afford to lose ever again. But if we don't, we're, we're, we're like Israel. We can't afford to lose any war. Absolutely. <laughs> It's unbelievable. If we don't have the, we got to start looking for leadership already in 2024 for the executive branch, as Laura said. And when we threw out Ted Cruz, you can't have silence. You got to say, yeah. So uh, there's got to be life after Trump. I mean, only Trump can take it on the chin like he has, but you still got to survive. Now we got a counterattack, and that's why I like I to see. I think Mike Pence is a, he's, he'll, he'll, he'll step up to the plate. Yeah. He's getting a little schooling. Yep, yep. And now this year we're going to counterattack. Next year we're going to be a wave election. Republicans take back the House. But the interesting thing you just mentioned about Ted Cruz is one of the highlighted figures in Mike Cernovich's uh, blood money was like uh, his right-hand man, Ted's man. Oh, which one? He's a lobbyist, K Street lobbyist, taking millions of dollars from Qatar to basically, and they had to sign an affidavit that they wouldn't say anything negative about the country of Qatar, which is why they put so much emphasis on that guy Khashoggi. Right. Yes. Because it's Saudi versus Qatar. They're right. fighting left and right in the media, buying yeah. buying media, buying, uh, yeah. you Kash- know. Khashoggi okay, was an agent of Qatar and the Muslim I'm more Brotherhood. Interest, I'm more interested in knowing the person you're, you're calling out. Who, who in the... 
Who in the Trump, I in mean, the in the Ted Cruz, Cruz campaign is actually a lobbyist uh, accepting money for Qatar? I, I will actually send it to you. Yeah. Okay. I, I like let to me say. Get off the line. I'll send it to you because I have to do a quick errand. And then I'll, All right. We'll I'll talk to you, you later. Six thirty. You All bet. Right. Take care. Perfect. Take yeah. care. Bye. Okay, guys. Thanks. Bye. That's so, amazing. That uh, it's important that we know and call this person out. Absolutely. I, I don't want anybody high. Reliable guy. I will. You know what I enjoy about Ted more than anything else was intellect. Period. Yeah. I, no, I, I think it's his commitment. He will not bend. He is consistent. And he was so right. He was the only one who stood up against Obamacare, man. The only guy who stood up there almost 24 hours. Nobody listened to him. Nobody cared. Nobody had any guts. And he just painted a picture of what's to come. And sure enough, it's still there. Obamacare. It it doesn't rhyme. It's still there. Obamacare. It's the saddest thing when people take their country for granted. A la Cubans in the 50s. Okay. Yep, I was only two years old, so you're just you're you're at fault. You're probably stealing candy from you know no. the, the the town pharmacy. I was playing baseball. What are you talking about? <laughs> Your dad was a pharmacist down the yep. street, right? Yep. You you stole candy from there. Come on, we man. didn't have candy. Those drugstores were not like American drugstores. They were pharmacists. They were chemists. So there was no chewing gum. There was no chewing no gum. Mad no Mad Magazine. No, no, no Mad Mag. It's all like chemicals. Like, and the pharmacists would have to make a lot of the. Drugs. You can't just order them and they come in pills and you count the pills. Uh, it, you have to be a real chemist. Boy, the executive producer Ed Vidal is showing his 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 promise. This is the Concrete Conservative WSQF ninety four point five. You're with two Concrete Conservatives, Ed Vidal and Mac on the Rock. Who am I speaking with? What's up, going on, guys? It's Anna Paulina. All Anna right. from Bigfoot Country. What's up? Absolutely, man. That you know that that was a long range. Uh, it looked like a long range uh, M19 with a tripod, but you know you're yeah, holding seven six two um, trim seekers precision. So we like to go out on the weekends and uh, remember why this country is great in the first place. <laughs> wow, yeah, but I'll tell you, man. There's nothing like being armed to the teeth all the time. It kind of feels comfortable. Oh yeah, and actually in Washington State, it's pretty uh, neat. Even though they're trying to put their or push their California agenda here, but we do still have. Um, open carry that's legal in this state, so it's pretty awesome to be able to invoke that right. <laughs> well, you know, we have our stand our ground here in Florida, so it's always a good thing. Yeah, I love Florida. I'm actually, I was stationed out in Florida for some time, so I miss Florida, and I absolutely love, love Florida's gun laws. Now, do you do you suspect that they'll, 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 they'll put you on a mission abroad again, or you think you're going to be reserved from now on in? Um, so I actually ended up getting out fully from the military about seven months ago when I took my job with Turning Point. So, um, and really leading up prior to that, the reason I got out is because I had actually gotten into medical school. So I thought that I was going to be going into medical school. And then, of course, 24 hours prior, Charlie calls me and is like, hey, you know, we'd like to give you this position. So I figure usually when it happens like that, it's usually a sign from God. And it's been pretty incredible to see because really the conservative Hispanic base um, is it's looking like, and I'm, I'm not even just saying this because I am Hispanic, but it's looking like the conservative Hispanic vote is going to save the country in 2020 okay, with good. the sheer numbers alone. So it's kind of been interesting because, you know, as part of spearheading this movement to see how everything's really fallen into place in the last six months, it literally is like there's an act of God happening. So if I could just kind well, of share that Anna, with you, it's incredible. And I told our audience that you are the Hispanic Outreach Coordinator for Turning Point USA, which is aimed at students and young people. So maybe you can tell us about what you guys have been doing and, and why you see this, uh, why you're so optimistic. Well, okay, so as 
part of our job, we go directly to these college campuses and really talk to these students about what conservative values are. And so right now, it's very true to say that these kids are brainwashed. You know, they, they're pushed socialism and Marxism, and you have people that say that they're openly communist having never really lived in the communist country, right? But the problem is, is that, you know, they're making these ideologies appetizing to the younger generations. So you have really millennials like myself, and then you have Gen Z who's saying, oh, well, socialism is great, right? But people don't understand really the historical significance of why socialism is bad. So what we do is we go in and, and explain it really in terms that people can understand. We show them what's happening in Venezuela. We show them what happens in these countries when, you know, you really disarm the American people and how the government should always remain less powerful than the people and why the Second Amendment is so important in, in really making sure that that uh, maintains yeah. that status quo. So, uh, people uh, is so only free when the government fears the people, not when the people fear the government. Exactly, and what's really a f kind of scary to see is, you know, from everywhere that I've traveled around the United States, you have kids that are literally brainwashed into thinking that guns are terrible. But, you know, it's, I kind of like to ask them, well, how many times have you seen a gun shoot someone? And I say that because, you know, they fail to realize that it's people committing these acts, these horrible acts of evil. And if you really want to talk about, which the media really didn't even cover, what happened on Easter with this terrorist bombing that happened in Sri Lanka, yep. I mean... People are going to find ways to do evil things if they really want to do it. So the Second Amendment really is to protect the people from its government. And if we don't defend that, then, you know, our government can push whatever agenda they want. Right now, I frankly don't feel like uh, I want Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez controlling anything in government. So <laughs> I'm going to keep my guns. <laughs> Good. So who's doing this indoctrinating? Is it their uh, high school teachers? Is, uh, obviously the college teachers? Who, what? Who? Right? I think now it's even starting in elementary school, but it's really, really being pushed in colleges. And so college professors and what's really unique about Turning Point is we go out to these college campuses, we establish chapters, and um, we kind of go against what, what they're telling them. It's really, it's, to, say, to put it quite simply, they're almost teaching kids now in colleges to hate the country. Right. And what's really unique to Turning Point is that we found out that, you know, what happens and what's being taught in college campuses is a good reflection of what's going to happen to the future of the country. And so when you have people that are saying, you know, America was never great, that this country was, you know, based on slavery, all these all these things that just really don't even apply to today's America, it's really scary to see because they are basically being taught to hate this country. And these people do go forward. They do go to grad school. They do go directly into politics. And what we're finding now is you have these organizations that are really coming into these schools and, you know, promoting this agenda. And then they'll be like, hey, you know, have you ever thought of a career in politics? And then they can kind of cross over into uh, the political world in D.C. So I think it's really interesting to kind of see how, especially with the legislation that just recently passed from President Trump, Right. about free speech, how that's really had an impact. And I'm sure you guys see on Fox News, Fox does do a pretty good job kind of showing what we come up against on some of these college campuses and our activists. But it's not right now, to be a conservative, you are demonized. And it's really almost like what happened back in the civil rights era with you know people saying, hey, we don't agree with this. this is, we're being peaceful about it. We're not going and we're not inciting violence. But you have the entire left and the DNC really pushing back and saying that organizations like uh, Turning Point are, you know, white supremacists, which, could, which couldn't be farther from the truth. You know, I'm Hispanic. You have Brandon Tatum, who's black. You have Kyle Kishu, who's Jewish. Candace Owens, who's black. 
So it's really kind of interesting to see how they're really exploiting this whole term of race and really kind of trying to incite right. these race wars. It's, it's just, I never thought I'd see it, but here well, I am well, experiencing it firsthand. Well, for example, I saw that Texas State University in San Marco, I think, uh, tried to, the student government tried to keep Turning Point USA off campus, but Governor yes. Greg Abbott told them uh, they better, you know, they weren't going to keep their funding if they didn't straighten out. Uh, but unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately, the University of Illinois student government wrote to them saying they agreed. You know what's crazy is I've been to many campuses, and I've actually seen faculty and administration come out and try to, of course, you know, they don't know how old I am. They also don't know that I'm a vet. So taking one look at me, people kind of just probably assume that I'm some, you know, 19, 20-year-old kid that doesn't have any <laughs> life experience. But I was actually at a university with Brandon Tatum where they came out and told us that they would call campus police on us if we didn't move from the area that we were at. We were on public property. Mm -hmm. So Brandon, of course, being a you know former law enforcement, was like, go ahead, call the police then. So what they were doing is they were really trying to scare us. And they didn't realize that, for one, we knew you know our own rights, but that, too, that what we were doing was completely legal and free. And all we're doing is really talking about why socialism sucks. And they actually were threatening to have us arrested and removed from campus. What so university was that? I, I want to say it was Kansas, or Kansas State University okay, yeah. that we were at. So, so it was a, it was, Kansas State is a giant safe space. That was yep. a giant safe space, but we don't care about that because uh, we have our First Amendment. So, And it's been great, though, because I've actually, I can tell you from the campus tours that I've been on since they passed, uh, passed that legislation, I mean, we've had a couple of protesters show up, but it hasn't been as nearly as bad as it was when I first joined Turning Point about seven months ago. Mm -hmm. And one of the, I'd say, more protesty schools I went to was um, University of Virginia, right. UVA. And I was actually protested. And then when I was out at Ryder, Brandon Tatum and I were expecting 75 people and 500 plus people showed up. Okay. And that was to hear on, you know, the whole myth of white privilege and really why those definition of white privilege is actually racist and ideology and it was it's you know when you can talk to people and you can explain it actually does make a difference but the problem is is you have the media and you have administration really backing students to not be respectful to not listen right well they're teaching them they're talk. teaching them the other side of the coin right. they're well, teaching in the 1960s the administration and the protesters were kind of on opposite sides today the protesters from the 60s are the administrators. Absolutely. So the hippies are in charge. It's so true. And actually, uh, at this last event that we had at Ryder University, we had the entire sociology department protesting us. Oh, yep. my God. That's they tried, <laughs> yeah, they actually tried to have a counter event at the same time, and no one showed up to theirs. They all came to ours. So we had you know, the faculty and the administration coming to our events. And then at the end, when everything was said and done, we had a single sociology professor. She came up to us. She goes, you know, I was coming here expecting to be pissed off, but you guys made a lot of good points. And I'm thinking, of course we did, because, you know, we're in the right. We have facts. But uh, she's like, you know, you kind of just lose people in the title and the messaging. But the reason that we do name some of the events that we do is to get people to come that might be really, you know, indoctrinated. And then it's crazy to see, you know, even after that event, I had a lot of people that were on the other side saying, hey, look, you know, I, I understood everything that you said. And, uh, they, but they, you know, they reach out, they go, I might not fully agree with you, but I appreciate you coming to establish that rapport and that conversation. Well, that's good. So it is important that organizations like Turning Point exist because right now we're one of the only of our kind going onto campuses. And one thing that Charlie says that I completely agree with is that people need to stop sending money to their alma maters and they need to start donating to conservative organizations because their alma maters aren't necessarily going to be pushing 
um, pro-American okay. agendas anymore because of their faculty. Do you, do you so find a, a difference between the public and the private universities and also regionally? Um, I don't really, you know, right now, unfortunately, I've been to you know, universities out in what I thought were really conservative areas. Right. And um, I haven't really seen much of a difference because so many universities now, they take in students from all around the country. Yep. But um, one of the nicer or, or universities I actually attended that was a beautiful campus and then, you know, everyone was pretty respectful right. was um, a university that I just went to in Minnesota. Okay. And uh, that was, you know, I was expecting it to be, especially on the topic of immigration, probably one of your more uh, liberal places, and it wasn't actually, actually ended up being really nice. So, what was uh, that? They're in Michigan State. There, which, which one in Minnesota did you go to? I want to say it was Minnesota State University. Oh, okay. And then Michigan, oh, in Michigan State, did you go there too? Yeah, Michigan State was actually really nice. We had a lot of support. Uh, the one downside was faculty there didn't really want to um, accommodate all the registration of people mm. that RSVP did attend, so they gave us more or less of a smaller space. Yep. But um, we did end up being able to do a great event there, and that was for Campus Clash, and that was just this past week. Well, you all have done um, high school campus clashes as well at high schools. Is that something you're yes. going to expand, uh, or are you going to concentrate on college campuses? Um, I, my focus is more or less college campuses. Kyle Kashuv is our high school outreach director, and I can't actually – I haven't spoken at a high school yet just because what happens is, is when you have high school students, you have to get parental permission, and it's a lot different than when you have adults right at these events. But um, I can say that our high school chapters are going strong because we do have a lot of parents that are conservative that agree with what we're doing. They understand that organizations like Turning Point need to happen, and they're frankly worried about their kids and the future of their kids, so they're more inclined to help you know, sign off and give permission for their students from chapters. Now, the problem is, is that these students, because they are in high school, I think we can all agree that sometimes younger kids are just idiots and they can be really mean. So there is a bullying aspect that people come up against. But, you know, when you have multiple people that are conservative coming out and saying that they're conservative and they don't really give a crap about what other people are saying if they don't agree, that's when you find more people speaking up. And that directly translates into what's happening with the conservative Hispanic base now. And if I could just kind of talk about that for a moment, when I first started on Instagram really uh, pushing this conservative movement among Hispanics, I found only about... 15 profiles and they were all under 10,000 people following them right and these were activists that were they didn't care what, what happened they were just basically saying hey look I'm conservative I'm Hispanic this is why I believe what I believe now because of what we're seeing with other people saying like oh look I'm also conservative I'm also Hispanic we're getting all these micro profiles standing up and that's what's really forming the conservative Hispanic base moving into 2020 and aside from President Trump aside from the election that's up and coming we need that conservative Hispanic base because we are the largest voting minority in the United States. So moving forward... And we also decided the last six presidents. Exactly. And, we, you know, we absolutely do need to organize because you are seeing the left, you're seeing the DNC really kind of taking their teeth and fangs out of the black community and trying to stick it into the Hispanic community because they realize that the black community is really waking up and that they're not buying... Yeah, well, Candace... Candace made it very clear that the blacks, uh, uh, Democrats know that the blacks, just 10% of them come Trump's way, he wins re-election. Exactly. And so it's kind of interesting because now you're telling me in the last two years, all of a sudden they, 
you know, they've 180 out and flipped their narrative on immigration. You know, it's just such a, a such a lie with what the left is doing. And so, and I'm, I'm also, it's kind of funny because, you know, for those that are native speakers for Spanish, they realize that I'm pretty sure Robert Francis O'Rourke used a Google Translator on his website because it just didn't make sense. So you see this pandering yes. happening for Hispanics and for blacks. And it's like, you know, the one thing about being conservative is we don't really ever t care about our skin color. We care about the content of our minds, right? Yes. And so you're seeing them use this identity politics. So we have these outreach programs really from the conservative base saying, like, hey, look, it's okay to be conservative and Hispanic. It's okay to have these viewpoints, and then we kind of reel them in into the larger you know, group of what it means to be conservative, which is an ideology, not a racial identity. So. Okay, well, I have this idea. And I uh, proposed uh, really quickly, face-to-face -to, -face to Charlie. Obviously, he had just gone off the stage at Nova High School here in uh, Davie, Florida. And, you know, he was all wired from his presentation. It's, you know, it's understandable. But I planted a, I'm hoping the seed was buried. I just, I know I came with the seed. I just want to be able to share it with you as I shared it with Diana as well. If we can get conservatives' parents to take back public schools... Shouldn't that accelerate Turning Point's agenda if we could do it at the high school level? Absolutely. I think that if you started it in the high school levels and really had parents take more of an active role into what okay, so there's a pushing back with the administration. Well, I'm happy you agree. So now there's a method to do this, and, and it has to happen here in Florida because Florida is the only state that has a direct ballot parent trigger law that I was the first to use back in 2013. And I need an organization like yourselves because I've been by myself for since 2013 and I haven't been able to amend the law because I really feel it has to be amended simply because the teachers vote separately from the parents. But if parents were to win these votes, you, you literally take back a public school, the funding comes straight from Tallahassee, and it's basically a parent guardianship school. That they run, you run the budget, therefore you'd buy new textbooks. Perhaps maybe you know there ha there could be some historical reality uh, on the way we teach our children and actually talk That's about amazing. and there, and Florida is the only school it's the only state that has it and I want you to log on to uh, governingschools.com and check it out and see if uh, Turning Point can uh, sur survive me because I'm already 54 and I already put my daughter up to abuse and I fought the good fight I took on the school district. I even went and was willing to participate in a civil rights case because you lose your freedom of speech in the process. And I was PTA president at the time, and they were demanding that I resign, and they successfully uh, were able to kill the messenger that way. But the teachers voted 83 nothing to take back our school. And in our case... I would, say, I would Sorry, I would also say, too, if Turning Point, and I don't know how it works with them being able to get involved because of their 501c3 funding, because uh, we are a nonprofit, but what you could do is also potentially link up with the Republican National Hispanic Assembly because I know that we have actually a division of our education department that would handle something like that. Sure. So if there's anyone listening right now, here's a really good point. You could always email them, and there are a ton of chapter, not chapter, but like also regional and state directors for the RNHA that I'm pretty sure would jump at that opportunity because, frankly, they are teaching, and our public and our public school systems are garbage, and that is the absolute truth. You know, when you have people not even really teaching American history, when you have students that can't even tell you what World War II is about or where Pearl Harbor happened, I mean, that's scary. And that happens, and if you don't believe me, check out the videos that PragerU does where they go all around the states talking to college and high school students, and they can't even name those simple facts. 
Or the 50 states. <laughs> or the 50 states, or really even pass the um, immig- immigration test that a lot of people have to have to pass. They can't even name the branches of government. I mean, that's something that we should all be be taught in a, in you know our school systems. American history should be taught all throughout high school. You know, with that being a focus. And frankly, it's just not anymore. They do that yeah. on purpose. In Chicago public schools, 1970 civics was taught in eighth grade. Yep. So that was still good. Well, I, uh, I, again, I go back to Thin Slicing, where you, uh, I named this uh, radio station after Malcolm Gladwell's book called Blink, and that's why it's called WSQF Blink Radio. And he wrote a book about thin slicing, uh, that we really have to carve out our thinking, because uh, we cheat ourselves by coming up to a conclusion, but don't, don't ask ourselves, why is it that it got this way? And I, exactly. I, I tell you, in schooling, people don't want to realize the culprit behind the the, the damage that's that's been done to schooling in the last 30 years has been the multiple choice exam. That format to teach people became a trivia pursuit, and there's no sense of curiosity or resourcefulness for the student to go find out the answer. The answer was given to them on the exam. Simple, so that the teacher can grade it quickly. It was a total uh, manipulation of grading expediency, and these are the things that have to change, and people don't go there. And since I don't have a PhD in education, people don't want to. Well, even that's better. Can... If you did, you wouldn't be uh, as smart. Well, well, people also are lazy. Like I cannot tell you how many times I've literally cited sources for you know t- things that are being passed legislation. I've literally explained it in simple English, and probably a paragraph or less on my social media. And people are just like, "Where did you find that source?" Because they're too diggy or they're too lazy to do the digging for themselves. And I have the source right then and there. They don't even read the caption. Yeah, we've really? all we've all become dumbed down because you and I are both have been educated with a multiple choice exam, and we have a tendency to kind of want the outline or a synopsis version. When someone really wants to delve into a concept with you, uh, I like to think that I'll stay around and listen to the uh, you know hear the person out. But I notice that when I delve into concepts, people just run, man. They immediately grab their coffee or grab their hamburger or they just. Run. And yeah. I think that this can just go to show. I actually had a debate in Nebraska with the chairwoman of the DNC Nebraska, and she canceled. Last night, I flew all the way up to Nebraska, and she never showed up. And it's because, you know, unlike most people, I sat there and I read the immigration reform bills, all three of them. Wow. <laughs> and, you know, unlike a lot of people, I know through and through what's happening. With I actually sat there and read the entire uh, human trafficking report that the State Department put out and that the stuff UNICEF puts out and that even CNN wrote on three years ago. So it's just people don't – the minute you're armed with the truth, the minute you're armed with the facts, and that's what I tell everyone, when you are, quote-unquote, having a debate or a conversation or argument with someone – Hit them with the facts because they will shut up in color so quickly. It's not even, it's, it's actually kind of funny to observe. But I'm also respectful about how I get through to them because the last thing that I want is for people to say, oh, look, that's Anna Paulina. She's, you know, a rude conservative, and all conservatives must be like that because right now what we're really going up against. Now, even after Trump, is we're going to be fighting the good fight with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and this, like, socialism is cool thing. And so we have to find the younger generation of millennials, of Gen Zs that can sit there and say, hey, look, we're conservative. We're cool. This is not the stereotype that we've been branded by the DNC and by the left. And really, um, this will combat this in the long run because, frankly, I think AOC will be fast-tracked to 2024 because she has that much clout and cool points with the younger generation. Well, she could be. Well, she, she could be primaried and yeah, but out. we could find an Anna Paulina somewhere in her in in, in Queens and and primary her. Well, uh, maybe 
maybe stay tuned for that. <laughs> stay tuned. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. Yeah, but the imagine is, if you took that on. Yeah. Come on, we. Mm-hmm. You know, we had we had Laura Loomer on just before you uh, ten minutes ago. And uh, she pretty much announced that she's going to yeah. run for Congress. Yeah. The, the, so the, the, it, it would be it would be pretty awesome. Uh, maybe you guys will have to stay tuned to see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. The trouble with Alexandria Ocasio Cortez's district is that as as Nancy Pelosi said, a glass of water with a D after its name would win. So right. it's not a, you know you it, so on the one hand you don't want to primary them because then you're a Democrat. So you want to run as a Republican so you can be a conservative. But in, in a lot of those districts, the people don't think. She got like 15,000 votes in a district of seven or 800,000 voters. Okay, that means she didn't. But, but you're making my. You, you got to wake people up. You make my case for me. She yep. didn't get a lot of people to come to the polls so she can be beaten. Yep. That's the, the general, point. In the general election. But you need articulate well, people. You know but you know what's crazy to think of too is that you know she was put into that place that was a casting call by justice for democrats they're also doing the same thing for yep. chicago yep the thing is is that the conservative representation that we have and and really the republican party there's nothing like that that exists for young candidates they, they don't do this for the outreach and they need to and because of that i think that you know in the dnc and in the rnc you have this aspect of people that get comfortable in doing what they're doing, and they don't want to share that with anyone else. But the point of politics, the point of our political system, was never to make it a professional job. You're not supposed to be a professional politician. You were supposed to get elected, go back to your work, go back to your country, go back to your land, work that, and then go and vote basically in D.C. And the problem is is that people now make it a political profession, and it's not supposed to be like that. So that's where you come up against the corruption and really the Okay, but can I give you a thin slice for what you just said? Yes. Okay. Why uh, why is it allowed to be a political profession? And you got to uh, understand the dynamics of legislature. They're not forced to sit in their seat. Yeah. And when they're not in Congress, they're busy raising money. They're raising money, drinking beer, hanging yeah. out. In fact, they I wait. Saw that. I saw that happen after Kavanaugh's hearing. You had people saying, "Oh, he's a rapist," and then they send out campaign contribution emails, which was disgusting to me. Yeah, so imagine if you made them go. The best type of term limit, and I also had this in a. uh, I wrote a book about reinventing this. It's all thin sliced up in 348 pages. If you force the politician to sit in his chair the moment Congress is in session every single day, and he's allowed to have staff come in through a congressional ID card, among other words, they could whisper in his ear and all that, so he's informed, but he's going to be voting from the actual seat with his fingers, you know, fingertip technology, and you got to punch in and punch out. Guess what? You could put a criteria on attendance records in order to run for re-election. Guess what? Yeah, the- that, and I think that it's crazy that you have politicians. I know I have one in my district out here. That, um, you know, closes down the town halls, which the whole point of you being an elected representative is so you can sit there and be face-to-face with your constituents. Yeah, take the heat. Yeah, take the heat. Yeah, take the heat. So I think that, you know, there's a lot of changes that needs to happen. I think that we're blessed to have someone like Congressman Crenshaw, because I definitely think that, you know, moving on forward, I think that he's going to be a presidential candidate for sure. Absolutely. Um, I know him personally. He's a great guy, totally level-headed, and really is going to be the savior, I think, of the GOP. But yeah. aside from that, it'll definitely be interesting to see who the new and upcoming people are coming into 2020 and 2024, because I think that there's a lot of people on social media that are completely underestimated, but definitely have plans to win and Good. run. So 
stay tuned for that. <laughs> good, good point on Crenshaw. I agree with you. He's a real star. And he's very young, he's so he has star. time to be out there. Yeah. You think he'll make a move to be a senator or a governor before he oh, runs for president? Yeah, Texas would be stupid to not have him as a senator. I think that he's absolutely qualified. Yep. He's completely level-headed. And mind you, he has an amazing and supportive wife that doesn't even get enough street cred. That woman right. is incredible. Uh, but I think that he'll absolutely get a nomination for uh, Texas. Texas right now needs a congressman to become a senator that has clout with the community and that, uh, you know, people on both sides like. And the one thing about Crenshaw is even though people were voting against Cruz, people were voting for Crenshaw. So he's actually pulling people from both sides because, frankly, yeah. people respect him. They know he's not full of it. He's absolutely educated, and he's proved that he loves this country, and he's not afraid to speak up. So I think that's what we need. And he's okay. very likable. Well, well, I'd like to delve yeah. into that little concept. Uh, when you said that they were voting uh, – uh, against Cruz, but they're really voting for Crenshaw. Why is that? He he didn't primary. Ted. He's more likable. No, no, it, they, it's called. He didn't have straight ticket voting, meaning that meaning that people that would typically vote for Democrats, right? Like in that area, if they were voting against Cruz and let's say they wanted Beto for senator, um, that they were voting for Crenshaw. Right. So that means that there was no straight ticket voting, and that's a good thing because that means people on both sides are voting for him. Right. Oh, yeah. okay. Cren- I get, uh, Crenshaw ran the congressional district in the state of Texas, right? And in his district, he ran ahead of Cruz. Okay, so that's the explanation. Oh, it's important that I understand and the audience understand. So, he's another a likable way, guy. So he's perfect to replace uh, uh, Senator Cornyn, Cornyn. or Cruz perfect. when he gets you know, on the Supreme Court. Frankly, also too, uh, this is why I absolutely love Crenshaw. This is going to be like a Crenshaw praise hour, but it's true. Um, he actually has an, a tremendous amount of respect and support for the Hispanic community. And a lot of people don't know this, but he's fluent. And his family is very, very nice and very good with outreach. So I think... Also, he's fluent in Spanish. He is. (laughs) Oh, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. And a lot of people don't know this, but he grew up briefly in South America. So I think that, you know, moving forward, we're going to see some great things from Crenshaw. And uh, I really hope to help him out in the future. I think he's he's a great candidate, great guy. Good point. Definitely down to earth and not full of himself, which is what politics needs more of. Yep. Well, you promised that uh, you'll log on to governingschools.com and read my story all the way to the end. It's a whole <laughs> it's a whole chapter of what my poor daughter went through, what I went through, and we end up being right, but we all we could do in our failure was to establish a legal precedent if we can change this law and remove the teachers from the intra-school vote and then put conservatives in charge of the budgets and that's how we fix the public school system nationwide. But we got to start with Florida first, so I'm, I'm hoping you log on and check it out. Definitely need to contact the RNHA as well on that because I know that their outreach department for education would be all over it. All righty. Thank you very much for your call. Thank you, Anna. Yeah, no worries. Talk to you guys. You bye. bet. All right, bye. Outreach for education. Well, it is, it's always uh, it's always in, um, inspiring that, uh, you know, when you're sitting there getting really annoyed, you always think about your kids as a parent mm-hmm. and to know that this, this country might be saved because yeah. there's Anna Polinas out there. People like that. And, and turning, she's got a good point about Dan Crenshaw. He's a very likable guy. He's a, a strong conservative, very knowledgeable, uh, very well-educated, knows all the issues, but he's also a down-to-earth guy. He's a good connection. I didn't know he spoke Spanish. I didn't know he had a supportive wife. But I know a radio talk show uh, host in Houston, Michael Berry, who supported him, and I'm sure if Michael Berry supported him, he's good. Yeah. My, my issue always is... What happens a lot, and it, I see it happening every day, all this enthusiasm that we're showing for our country is all good. and It's all good, like they say. It's all good. 
But man, if we're lacking really awesome ideas, the worst ideas become law. And you've been seeing that for over 100 years now. Really bad ideas have become law. Income tax, Social Security, Welfare, Welfare Act, Green Stamps, all that. Every part of it every has bankrupt this country. And look, look where all the look where the over we're overpaying the government so much money in taxes they can afford to waste all of it. And guess what they do? They fill they, they, they overspend on public schools. Not only do they fund public schools, and I'm talking about universities as well, but they also lend the money to attend the schools. And bankrupt the students. And bankrupt the students in the process. These are all terrible ideas. They take on too much debt, and then they can't get a job. So I would like to suggest to anyone who listens to this show to seriously consider ideas. And you can always call us at 1-844-645-WSQF. Toll free, so it won't cost you anything, right? That's right. Okay. So for Democrats, 1-844-645-WSQF. It's free! How about that, that? Then you've got locally 305 365 777, which is better than the yellow taxi. You know what I mean? Yep. 305 365 777. And go to my website. I prepared long before I ever even had the opportunity to build a radio station. I wrote a book about reinventing the United States. And it's so important that you read the book and grab any one of those ideas, put it under your arm, and tell Ed Vidal, I told you so. Because I tell him all the time, without ideas, I don't think there's anybody out there right now on the national stage who's got really kick-ass ideas in a lot of sectors of the American economy and American society. And guess what? I believe I do. Thefiscals.com. Yeah, but you got to publish it. You can't just keep it to yourself. you well, got to get the, them out there. It's, it's published on a much wider scale than any paperback. It's online. The Fiscals, T-H-E-F-I-S-C-A-L-S dot com. The Fiscals. Check okay. it out. When it comes out on paper, it appeases only You'll have Ed. To go on a book tour. Ed Vidal and his homies have to go on a book tour over that are still, are still reading paperback books. Books and books. It'll be in Kindle. It'll be on paperback. But until, like uh, Mr. Kreidheimer said the other day uh, on the show I saw, he told his kid, when you finish my book, don't publish it unless it's worthy. And I, my book, it's got, unfortunately, uh, something in it that annoys the hell out of me. And hopefully Adam is listening because he's next up on the Statues and Story segment. And since he's listening to our show, he usually starts listening right around 6.30 for his 7 o'clock uh, intro. Please, it's very uh, apropos for a Democrat to proofread my book. And that would get it published to appease, you know, the seven-year-old, old fart, old conservatives like Ed Vidal, who yeah. has to have it in paper, has to smell the, the the paper in order to read it. You know, it's one, it's one of those things. He likes to smell the book. And although I have to bow to him because he's obviously read more books than I have, guess what? All those books came up with zero ideas. Zero. No, I had some good ideas. Yeah, to be an attorney. and freedom. Yeah, those ideas are stolen. Yeah. He cut and pasted that. Republic, Aristotle's politics. That's all cut and paste. What ideas are those? 
They had some good ideas. My ideas are out of the box. I mean, just completely fact, on the right side President of history. Obama look, look was, at Shapiro. He wrote a book called The Right Side of History. He stole that from my book. Oh, my gosh. My, one of my mantras in my book is The Right Side of History. Yeah. Ideas from the right side of the box just outside it on the right side of history. And I repeat it over and over again throughout the book. So guess what? Someone whispers in his ears and say, hey, come out with a book on the right side of history. And guess what? I haven't read his book. But I guarantee you, you're going to read the book before I do. And guess what? It won't have a single idea. It'll just have a bunch of mantras, uh, logics, you know, uh, arrhythmics, a bunch of things that make sense. But it won't push the agenda with an idea. Okay. You have to have an idea. That's good. Like my idea for the southern border. My idea for Guantanamo. My idea for competing with a FICO score. Got to get him my, out there. My idea for no-fault divorce. My idea for the the most perfect... I, I thought you were in favor. You were not in favor of no-fault divorce. I was not. It was, it was, as Reagan said himself, his worst moment as a leader was signing the Family Act of 1970. It really destroyed the American family. And you've told us a thousand times that the fatherless home has ruined the country, but you go thin slice. Why is the why did we become a single family society, single parent family society? No fault divorce. It's spread like wildfire to all fifty states. Well, that's what I was suggesting to Anna Paulina about the governing school at. It could spread in the other direction to all fifty states. Mm-hmm. Since no fault divorce spread like it did from nineteen seventy to today. And by the way, do you know who the last state to pass no fault divorce in its original form? State of New York, unbelievably so. Wow. How about that? Isn't that irony of all ironies? So those people were able to put it off until, uh, I would say, four years ago they passed no-fault divorce, and now Bedlam in New York. Everybody's getting divorced. Women are just... High taxes. High high taxes and divorce. The fastest corporate ladder in America is to get divorced from a wealthy breadwinner. Get half the stuff, all in the name of the children. Eventually your foreclosure is upon you because you're not the breadwinner of the home. And he's, you, you know, can't support the, he, the, the, the home, the, uh, the, the homestead. Home that you got right. So men, so you go to the trailer park, or or the expressway. You can, you know, live under the expressway. Who's next at six o'clock? Well, we we were hoping that Eddie Norette would be able to call from the University of Florida, but he had homework. He had homework, and he's busy. Hopefully, graduating next month, so he may have had to do some makeup work. Did he send you a text telling you he wasn't going to show? No. Tell him that These I'm a young bully. People nowadays. Tell him not. I'm a bully. That if he doesn't call on time, you know we kick some ass around here. Absolutely. You know you don't. You, you know you're not too cool for school. You know what I mean? This is school for many people. We made a tremendous effort here to talk as much as we do, and I'm only pleasing all my naysayers out there growing up. Hey, why don't you get on the radio instead of telling me those stories? Well, guess what? Got a radio. How about them apples? You know what I mean? Some things you gotta wonder. Could that be Eddie Ed, the Red? Ed, Eddie, Eddie. WSQF, the Concrete Conservative. It's now six eighteen. Do we have the future or do we have the past on the air? Who am I speaking with? I think you've got the future on the air. All right, Eddie, uh, how, go how are get you him. Gentlemen doing today? Uh, Eddie, I was getting ready to, you know, accuse you of being too cool for school because uh, we were waiting for your call with great suspense, and we thought your the dog ate your homework or something. Well, no, I, I apologize. I had a little bit of trouble with my cell service where I am at the moment, but I'm glad I was finally able to call in. Good uh, answer. Right. That's, you, that's you, a future are you, answer. Are you in Gainesville? 
I call, no, no, I'm not. I'm actually not in Gainesville at the moment. Um, I'm, but I will be returning there tomorrow. We've had a lot of interesting uh, stories out of there. I'd love to tell you guys about it in a minute. But um, I'm so glad you guys were able to get Anna Paulina on today, and also uh, Laura Loomer. They're yep. both great activists in the in the conservative movement, and uh, I really encourage your viewers to follow their work as well. Yeah. Our viewers, I mean our listeners. We're not on TV yet. I don't think listeners, Mac. Listeners, they're yeah. not going to let Mac on TV. Don't worry. Yeah, nobody wants to see. Nobody wants to see all the quarters in my belly button coming yeah, out every yeah. time I scream. You know what I mean? I, you know, yeah. the, that roll of quarters. You know, I put them right inside me here because you know, I'm a, I'm a Cuban, uh, Cuban American, American Cuban, Rush Limbaugh. I got the same gut he has. <laughs> so tell us well, what we, is. We need, we need more people like Anna, especially you know Hispanic conservatives. I'm, I'm really glad again she has a platform. Yep. And the fact that you guys are able to get her on the show is another great thing as well. Yeah. So tell me what's uh. What's your latest controversy in your neck of the woods? So last week on campus, a conservative friend of mine snuck into this, um, and I say snuck in because it was it was supposed to be for faculty. They're going to be launching this initiative for students in the fall, but it was called Undocu Peers. So it's a training to teach faculty and staff, and again, they're going to be helping train students in the fall how to create a more welcoming and, and a greater safe space on campus for undocumented students. Um, so it's, it's undocumented. Kind of, you mean illegal, illegal and unlawful. Undocumented worker is somebody who works off the books, and in Mexico or left her documents at home. In Mexico, half of the workers are undocumented because they're not uh, formally on the books because the laws are so onerous that most employers in Mexico can't afford to pay them in accordance with their Social Security and other laws. So. In Mexico, half the workers are undocumented. They're off the books. And of the ones that are documented, half of those, so a quarter of all workers, work for foreign multinationals. Even well, in Mexico. I'm going to try to get a story about it uh, out for campus reform later yep. this week. But the issue I had with it was every issue they were trying to say was a uniquely uh, an issue unique to undocumented students was something many other students face. So, for example, they would talk about how undocumented students sometimes have to work multiple jobs to pay for tuition because they don't qualify for in-state tuition or how Good. they don't qualify for scholarships. As they should. For them, right. Or or they have a greater amount of stress. All of, all of these different yes. things, which I wanted to say, and you don't think American students face these issues as well. You don't think American citizen students face struggles about paying for tuition. You don't think right. American citizen students maybe have to get a part-time job through school. I mean, come on. undocumented uh, people face in our country. I'm, I'm open to that. I understand they, they face different hardships, but don't give me that. As if they're, they're, they have this special, unique story uh, in college when, in fact, many other students, many American students also struggle with finances, with struggle with all this other stuff. So it was, to me, it was, it was your typical yeah, but, you know, propaganda they, on the flight of, of illegal Yeah, but they do have an extra burden in that they're outlaws. They're living as outlaws, and that's well, Ed, not a good you know, way to Ed, start your, Ed, Ed, your you know, career in America. Don't be so damn bullish. You know why? Oh, come on. Well, okay, if you if you were able to shut down the border, let's say tomorrow, yes. and you crush illegal immigration, you seal it like you said, 
Yep. Within within six months, we're all starving. No, we're not. Yes, because America's, America's prices would adjust. I'm sorry, Teenagers Americans will not bend over and yes, pull they out. Will. And they potato. will if they if they don't have the welfare benefits. I'm sorry, yeah, man. Americans are not going to do the corn. Away They're the not going to do the tomato. Americans back, are not going to do the strawberries or work, the potatoes. Work requirements um, for well, no. uh, welfare. Yep. American will sit back on the back well, of a John not Deere. If, not if you take away w- the welfare benefits. What do you mean? Well, the, the, the no is, food is, stamps uh, for people who are able-bodied and don't and, work. And they're going to all of a sudden go out in the field in that hot sun. They got to do something. They won't survive for five days. Well, we starve. We'll, have, we'll, have, we'll bury them uh, with honors. Yeah, guess what? We'd starve. The food lines would commence. That, that's the truth. you got to defend your country. I'm not, I'm not for illegal immigration, all right? I'm a son of an immigrant who came in here legally because of a political crisis in our country. But... And because of the failure of the president to solve that political crisis in your country. Absolutely. All those things are true. But I'm also a son of a produce wholesaler, and I know what I'm saying is true. If you stop— Get those kids out there. If you get them, the only only solution you can do if you uh, completely— Don't give them food stamps if they can work. Okay, but they won't go out in the fields. Well, come on. They won't even get close to the states that are agricultural states. They won't do it. Period. Well, but I, my, either, no matter how you feel on the issue, and, and this is a debate that you know, even we can have on the right. Again, my point was: do, do undocumented students face issues about how they pay for school? Absolutely. But I, I was a little frustrated that yep. you were going through a sensitivity training about how to how to treat you know when you come across a fellow undocumented on campus, or you know you have to be understanding. And again, I wanted to say, but there, but many students go through these issues. You know, right. it's not unique That's to true. being an illegal immigrant. The fact that. Um, yeah, well, yeah, what about the student whose father's beating the, the yeah, dips out of him? Everybody has these Everybody's issues, got yeah. to cross the bear. My God. Exactly, yeah. And, and I just felt, look, I mean, it's, it's and I, I understand. They do have it. Or so they, they even talked about DACA as well, some of the issues with DACA that some of these students, you know, if it may not be renewed, they're, they're facing questions about that. They're facing, And look, I get it. Um, but again, these are issues that, you know, other other students on campus have stress too, and this kind of this sensitivity, safe space training to me—it's just a little—it's it's something I'm not a huge fan of, and and I just think it's ridiculous that basically the University of Florida has created a position, a paid a paid salary position for liberal activists to come in and train people on campus yeah, about this issue. Too many administrators are doing this stuff. Oh, it's—I mean, administrators left and right, and and it's tough because. You would think at these state schools, they're, they're very sneaky in, about, in advertising these things. I mean, this information isn't easy to find. It should be, again, as a state school, you should be, you know, they should be very open about what they're doing because they know that there's scrutiny there and they know that organizations like Campus Reform, like Fox News, even radio stations like you guys, they, they know you're going to be talking about it. So they do their best to cover it up and then to kind of operate behind the scenes because they know that backlash can, can really be negative. Okay, now I heard that this week uh, the University of Florida or maybe the University of Florida University System uh, has signed an agreement with the Governor DeSantis about free speech. How is that coming along? They did. That was actually, and, and I, I spoke to someone at the Foundation for Individual Rights and, and uh, Freedom. Right. In, in education, fire. Fire. And they told me over the phone that Governor DeSantis's efforts are really the first of its kind for a governor to be leading a statewide effort. All right. To get 
all the pre- and he got all the presidents of the public institutions in the state of Florida to sign this Chicago statement. And for your listeners who are who may not be familiar, the Chicago statement is a statement adopted by the University of Chicago several years ago that basically said they were going to um, agree to principles on campus about free speech, free expression, free debate. So it's a huge first step in Florida. Um, the one reservation that Fire had was that while it, it's a great first step, and while it does say. And, and while it does show that these university presidents are committing to free speech, it's not a uh, a concrete policy in place. So, you know, the next step would be to kind of target different policies around campus, maybe in specific departments or maybe online, you know, social media policies on these campuses. So, I mean, again, it's a good first step, but there's, there's a lot of work to be done. Um, I think Governor DeSantis was great to do that. And he should, you know, other governors around the country should take a page out of his playbook and, and do the same. And also, special kudos to President Thrasher at, at Florida State University because he he joined in the press conference with Governor DeSantis, and he was as adamant as any college president as I've seen. And he said, "On my campus, we're going to have free speech." And even someone in the press conference said to him, "Well, President Thrasher, what if a neo-Nazi wants to come to your campus, and are you going to let them speak?" He said, "This is a college campus. This is where ideas happen, and you know what." Even bad ideas, sunlight is the best disinfectant. You know, if you want to combat bad ideas, a college campus is to do that. And we believe, we believe the, the good ideas will win in a war of ideas. And so he was, he was very strong in his commitment to free speech. And honestly, it's not something I've ever seen from a, a university president. Yeah, I think in Tallahassee you have the James Madison Institute, which was founded by a former president of Florida State, and they're very much of a uh, libertarian think tank. So that's good. Yeah, they they came out and they celebrated the. They said it was great news and then a great effort by, by Governor DeSantis. And I, right. I mean, I can't agree more. To get, I think there are 11 or 12 uh, university public yep. institutions on campus, I mean, on, in the state of Florida, to get all of them to sign on to this Chicago statement, um, which is available online if your viewers are interested in this commitment to free speech. is just great work on his part. And so they even who, got but, FIU. But who, get, but who gets FIU? a credit? Uh, Trump gets a credit, doesn't he? Well, no, no, he started it, but you know, DeSantis. What do you mean? No, 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 no. He started. DeSantis uh, took, you know, took it, took it home. Well, he, he grabbed the baton, basically. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's fair. fair Even enough. FIU, huh? Well, no. Yeah. Now I want to know at, uh, at University of Florida what type of students are actually talking about the issues you're talking about. Is uh, is it just the the nerds, the geeks, the intellects, the School of Communications, School of Philosophy? Or is it just mainstream? I mean, who really well, actually well, definitely, is... Definitely the, uh, the journalism school and I think the political science department are, are very loud on these issues. Um, number two, I would say the University of Florida is a very political campus. You see a lot of people, um, a lot of Florida politicians, you know, went to the University of Florida, Bobby Wasserman shows on the Democrats, like people like Marco Rubio, uh, Republican scientists, they always have that political edge to it. Um, but also you just see online, you know, with, with Facebook nowadays, you're kind of these big groups, you know, U.S. politics or U.S. class of 2020, U.S. class. So you have these Facebook pages filled with U.S. US students, you know, thousands, and they're discussing politics, they're discussing these issues. Even on campus, I have to say, the conservative organizations, I'm really proud of them. They're really starting to organize and do a lot of activism on campus from the Turning Point USA folks at the University of Florida, you have college Republicans, and so they're going out there, you know, several times a week, with signs, posters, um, setting up tables, saying, "Hey, you know, these are what we believe in. We love to talk to you." They're, they're trying to increase membership and even engage in friendly debate with people who 
disagree. And so even if you disagree, it is it is positive to see students on campus having respectful debate and respectful disagreement about these issues. Have you guys have had turning points on your campus often or at all? Well, this is their first year on campus, which so there is an official club. It's called Turning Point USA at UF. So it's the official chapter. Um, earlier this semester, they brought Will Witt, who is a Prager University social media influencer. So he was their first big speaker. You know, the, the club had about 150 people show up. So they're they're out there. This is their first year on campus, but they're doing really well with the activism. We also have Young Americans for Freedom, another organization I'm a part of. So between those three, I would say you've got Turning Point, you've got Young Americans for Freedom, which is tied to the Reagan Ranch, uh, and you have college Republicans. And those three groups are working together. Um, they're working hard, and especially gearing into 2020, all the groups have made a commitment to say we've got to put in a lot of work to kind of get out the conservative student vote on campus from college students. And I think that's extremely important. Now, has it affected uh, has it affected you socially to be in these positions as a conservative? Do you, you find know, it has? I'm, I'm a graduating senior, so this year has been the best for me in terms of. Uh, not giving a crap, I guess, so to speak. So this year, I, I, I feel more free. I feel like the chains are off for me to walk around campus, you know, with a Make America Great Again hat or a Trump shirt, because my whole MO this year has been, you know what, I'm graduating. If someone from my class sees me wearing this and they don't like me, you know, I don't care. Kiss my you-know-what. That, that's kind of been my mentality. But for other students, and in years past, I can say on my own, it's challenging because you get targeted. Um, sometimes, just generally speaking, you see online other U.S. students making negative comments about Turning Point USA. They kind of make fun of you, mock you. And then in some cases, even individually, you know, they, they have kind of identified some of our mo- most outspoken members and people will kind of say, so there have been instances where the YAF students or the TPU Turning Point USA students have been tabling um, on campus and some very far left students will come up at them and just scream at, scream at them and say, these are fascists, you know. These people yeah, are fascism is a form of liberalism. Fascism is a form of communism. Yeah, the sad thing is they don't even know that fascism has more in common with the American left. That's the thing. And the worst cases we've had, Young Americans for Freedom has had to file uh, three or four police reports this semester because what the club has done is they they get a permit from UF to hang up. There's an area of campus where you can hang up these very large banners to post advertisements, things like that. And so Young Americans for Freedom has gotten permits to post political politically uh, related banners. And so, you know, they had one about the Second Amendment a few weeks ago. They had one about the wall a few weeks ago. It just said build the wall. And what these liberal students do is they come they come by and they destroy the banners. They steal them. They tear them down. And because the club has gotten a permit for them and pumped in a lot of resources into making and building these big banners, they've had to file police reports because it is considered uh, theft of property. So and criminal mischief. So there were several instances on campus this semester where the police had to get involved. They actually detained some students. They didn't really end up fi- uh, pressing charges, um, but uh, it's something where basically it's gotten so bad that YAP has to protect these banners on campus 24/7. Whenever they hang up a banner, because yeah, you have to you literally sleep so out. You have to you have to sleep down. out by the banner. What we gotta do is get a booby trap the banners. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Well, we were thinking, you know, I think they've, they've discussed setting up a camera um, right. really to, to see if they can catch some of these culprits because it's really, and, you know, the club has said it. Look, we we put in a lot of money to making these banners. If you disagree with us, put up a different banner. But to just tear our work down, um, which costs our club funds, you know, <clears throat> it's just, it's disgraceful. Well, it's guess what? That's happening on the college campus. The American left um, only lies and steals and have no money. So tell all the American left, 
this one-liner. It's a perfect blog comment. When we commence the food lines, I, as a conservative, will be serving. And it's yeah. that it's that simple. You can apply that to just about any liberal comment. When the food line is commenced, I, as a conservative, will be serving. And guess what? Meaning, not only will I not be hungry, but I'll be serving you a meal. It's so true. And that's exactly what's going to happen, because if there is a food line and this thing collapses, I guarantee you the, the conservative will be resourceful. He'll have his canned goods. He'll have his stuff. He'll have his daily bread. And guess what? He'll go and serve at the, at the food bank. And that's the same about us when it comes to charitable contributions. We out-donate for our causes of choice almost $3 to yeah. 1 to well, a liberal. Look at Beto and uh, other Democrats. Biden! Their, their Biden taxes. was for five. They don't give anything. The year Biden became vice president of the United States, he had donated 2500 bucks in his entire congressional career. Yep. yep. $2,500. These people count on the state to do that sort of thing. Well, guess what? When you become a secular agnostic country yep. and you disparage God the way we have, and you can see it in Europe, guess what? People naturally expect government to, to do the social services right. because we're no longer doing it because the basket's empty on Sunday. And it's, well, very- it's, it's a case of do as I say, not do as I do. So, you know, it's okay for them not to donate a lot of money, but yeah, you have to pay more taxes or, you know... Yeah, we need to have diversity more. More, you know, it's okay to for to have these sanctuary cities and illegal immigration. But you saw how much these elitist Democrats, you know, weren't they were outraged when Trump suggested, okay, fine, you know, I'll move some of these asylum seekers to your communities in San Francisco, in New York. These Democrat politicians, you know, they were freaking out. They were like, no, no, not my community, not my neighborhood. So it, it's just it's typical hypocrisy. Well, I thought I, you know, uh, I'm I'm glad that uh, you're you're leading the charge here. Yeah. So, Eddie, what are you going to do after you graduate? Uh, I don't know. I'm I'm looking. Well, I have a couple of things that I'm not thinking about. I, I would like to work in the D.C. area in media and conservative media. Um, so, I, I have had a couple of interviews. So we'll see. I'll definitely keep you gentlemen posted. All right, and um, you know, you know, you always have a home here. Yeah, I know. I'd love to. Um, what was the other thing I was going to say? It's really important, and I thank you guys for having me on to discuss these issues every week. Because if you don't have, if Americans don't have family members or you know kids, nephews on, on nieces on college campuses, they don't really know what's going on. So in, unless you know someone who is currently a college student, you don't know these this kind of liberal craziness that's going on. And really, they may think that it doesn't affect them, but when these kids go out into the real world, that they've been brainwashed and indoctrinated by the left. That's eventually going to affect all of us. So I think it's really important that we're talking about this, and we're really raising a generation that's intolerant, um, that doesn't believe in free speech, and it's it's a scary thought to think that these people will one day, you know, be working in, in major corporations. They'll be running our institutions, and they don't believe in the basic freedoms that, you know, whatever your political leanings are, you know, all Americans should have these freedoms. I hear you, man. Thank you very much for your good work, and uh, you you give us plenty of hope. Because Thank you so much. Yeah, we're we're two curmudgeons in here in a in a in a soundproof room. We don't see the world out here for three hours, and at least we get to hear that the future today's been a great show because yeah. it's all been about the future. Three people, yeah. three people, all under thirty years of age, fighting the good fight. So, carry on and stay free, my friend. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Sorry, I called in a bit late. No problem. Thank you. That's Thank all right. You got a hall pass. So, uh, Ed. Um, even though you have uh, zero ideas, 
you definitely have really cool friends. Absolutely. Anna Paulina. Yep. Uh, uh, Diana, I kind of met before you, but you know, I was onto her way before you. But Anna Paulina, boy, you fish—that's called fish call Wanda. There, you really pulled that yeah, off. She's very dynamic. You can see why Charlie Kirk wanted her to to join their team. Yeah, she, he's got to look for high voltage people, and uh, he's been a master at that so far. And I mean, that's great that Laura Loomer uh, almost broke a story that she might be running for Congress. That'd be good. On Blink Radio, ninety four point five. Breaking news! Breaking news! That, she that, rushed... that, that Republican congressman up there is a little bit of a rhino. I know he's been soft. Yeah, but you on... picked a you picked a uh, you know picking a fight with our people that have got yeah, elected. No, I agree. Already. I agree. I mean, I, I mean, considering Wasserman Schultz getting reelected after the DNC convention, right. after that horror story, well, the, for us not yeah. to have a candidate to beat her, come or, on. Or the other guy, Deutsch. Uh, he's a douche. You mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh, it's uh, yeah. We need better candidates. Well, I think we're going to have some good candidates here in South Florida. How can you want the best and brightest to run for well, Congress well, when you have Stalinist Democratic Party the, filing special okay, prosecutor so in the twenty sixth district? We have uh, where uh, look at Shifty Shift running his mouth all night. No, in the twenty sixth district, which is west and south of here, it was uh, Carlos Curbelo was a candidate. He lost to Debbie Mercasol Powell, who's a far left Democrat. She actually has sponsored the uh, Green New Deal. So she signed on 80 congressmen. So we're, we're going to see a, a You challenge think that's J.J. Flash or what? That could be Jumping Jack Flash. He was born in the Crossfire... Hey, crossfire J- Hurricane? Hey, were you born in the Crossfire Hurricane? hurricane? Yeah. Yeah, J.J. Flash, what's up? You tell me. How was a good... Uh, who was the last guy? Well, you know, he he's, uh, he's a new star. He's a new star. He's from here locally. Uh, he's up at University of Florida. He writes for the campus paper, conservative paper. And uh, we didn't ask him if he was part of uh, Turning Point USA. but he, uh, No, he's not. He's not, but he's got his hands full there, and he's a senior, and he wants to be a conservative uh, journalist. Good, good. If he wants to go undercover, we put him uh, in touch with James O'Keefe. Yeah, it's. Over at, uh, Project Veritas. I I guarantee you that all that stuff is available to him because he's already been on Fox News, so he knows what the limelight is, and the um, he was interviewed recently. The gentleman who put up the billboard in Manhattan. Um, we Alfredo had him on, Ortiz. Yeah, Alfredo Ortiz. Of, uh, Job Creators Network. Yeah, and um, Mr. Ortiz was on the air with us. So, you know, we're, we're happening here at uh, Blink Radio, the Concrete Conservative. Now, John, I have a theory that this next election is going to be a little bit of a, a red wave, kind of like the 2010 uh, Tea Party election, because I think the Trumpsters has been cleared by Mueller, and he's got a lot of uh, momentum now. But it's important not only for his own campaign, but also for other Republicans on ballot, especially for the Republicans to take over the House. So I was very happy to hear that Laura is thinking of running, whether she primaries a rhino or takes on a Democrat, I'll leave that up to her. But, for example, down here in South Florida, we have two congressional districts that were flipped. Uh, they were flipped from rhino to donkey, but still, a rhino is better than a donkey. And the one out, out west is uh, was Carlos Corbello's district, and uh, it was taken by Debbie Mercasol Powell, who is a far-left Democrat. She's a sponsor of the Green New Deal. And she's going to, it looks like she's going to get a, a, a challenge from a young woman, Hispanic business person. Uh, her parents came on the Mario boat lift. They built up the Las Vegas Cuban cuisine chain down here. 
and she looks like she's going to be running against uh, Debbie Mercasso-Powell. That's well, she should be able to take that seat. you got to remember, 2018 was an abnormality. Right. Okay? That was uh, one of those elections where the the liberal left poured in millions and billions of dollars uh, to try and hijack the Congress. And a lot and of Republicans were demoralized. They were The Republicans were demoralized, partly their own fault, but they thought that Trump was going to get impeached or indicted or Who something. Who the hell believes that? It was well, simply... Well, they did. They, they were. No, that was, was fake news. That, yeah, no. I agree. But they believed it. Forty congressmen no, retired. Forty-three... Forty-three... No, I don't think the guys, the, the Republicans <laughs> really came out. They right. figured they had enough. Uh, Paul Ryan did absolutely nothing to safeguard it. No, it was uh, it was basically no money. right. Why don't you also blame McCain for not getting well, rid of that's Obamacare? That's part of it. Yep. Yeah, well, the McCain and all the rhinos that are out there, yep, are you know in the same boat, right? You get what you deserved. I think yep. it's actually, <clears throat> in one respect, a good thing because we're going to clear out the right. rhinos in 2020. Agreed. That's look what's happening now, right? They got now 19, 20 different idiots running, so it should be a. You know, yeah. we it's have it'll be a little better or at least yeah. the same as Reagan second term where we yep. got 49 states. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think uh, the key then, I think, will be for the Republicans to take back the House. And down here in the 26th district, I think we have a good chance. Irina Villarina is a candidate. Yeah, I met her at a Lincoln, at a Lincoln yeah, Day dinner. we're going to try to get her to come in the studio. And then in the 27th district, it's uh, Donna Shalala, of all people. Yeah, yeah, she should she should go. Yeah, but right? well, we got to you got to run we, somebody you know ethnic in that. Well, seat. we hear that Carlos Jimenez, who is the uh, county executive for Dade County, is looking to run. So maybe that'll that'll help. No, that should help. That should definitely help. Did you get my email on the uh, blood money by Mark, my, uh, Mike Cernovich? Yep. Well, guess what? Uh, Ed has kept that information to himself. Did you send it to me as well? I sent it to Mac on the Rock. Oh, so I'm the I'm the guilty party here. Well, I'm really. Well, you asked about the name, that, the guy that was working for Ted Cruz. Nick Music. His name is Nick Marzan. Yeah. Okay. Well, I haven't been able to look at it because you know I'm actually doing a radio show now. Yep. If you haven't if you haven't noticed, uh, it's kind of hard to be. Uh, no, no. But you asked about the name earlier yeah. when I was talking with Laura. Lowe. Yeah, I, yeah, I know. But I wanted to talk about it today, so I need I need to be fed stuff here. So this guy is a Ted Cruz uh, staffer. He was his right-hand man. Wow. Up, uh, Stonington. Uh, Global advisor. Uh, Stonington Global. And, uh, yeah, it's right at the 1453 mark. Okay, so uh, what was his name again? Was his, uh, Repeat his name again. I, I'm not, I mean, uh, I would have heard Nick this. Nick Musin, M-U-Z-I-N. Yeah. Yes, I, I do recall him. Yeah, you should go check. Yeah. You know, you have I know, I, I, I've met him. So basically what the, the synopsis of the movie that Mike just put out is showing how Qatar right. can buy the D.C. media, like the Chinese, like, you know, they talk about the Russian collusion, but that's pales in comparison to all the other money influencing buying, you know, media stories. And you can tell, you know, from some of them how they just influence CNN to no end. Mm. It's, it's almost comical, but it's scary because... You know, the American media doesn't understand, or the American viewer doesn't, unless they go to, you know, different uh, terminals to, to get their news. Like, if they came to ours, right, we have the, the GNN.info, right? That's the Good News Network 
for conservatives, concrete conservatives, liquid conservatives, any conservative you want to call them. We even have Laura Loomer featured up there and, you know, James O'Keefe from uh, Project Veritas and uh, Matt Schlapp, you know, uh, from CPAC and, you know, the uh, Main Street uh, radio girls. Yeah. So it, there's a lot of good content. We're building actually nine new digital channels for conservatives all across, you know, not just domestically, but around the world, because as James is uh, recruiting whistleblowers, you want to get them from all over the world, because they have the same corruption issues. Uh, There's one other thing he just did up in uh, New Hampshire. He caught a, get this, a Republican. No, that was in New York. He caught a Republican in New York that voted twice and admitted it yep. in two different states on the voter fraud issue. Then he got a guy in New Hampshire, just got arrested today. For, or turned himself in for voting twice. Voted in New Hampshire, voted in Florida. Most of these people, you know, and the, the, the voter fraud is such a massive issue in Florida. Right. I mean, we nailed uh, the Broward County uh, Supervisor of Elections, Brenda Snipes, about 20 days before the 2016 election. Otherwise, Trump may not have won Florida. There was hundreds of thousands of absentee ballots already filled out. What really sucks is the Florida voter has now forced Miami-Dade County to also elect their election supervisor. That is disgusting only because of that stupid constitutional amendment committee and putting that stuff on the ballot. So here we are for once. Miami-Dade finally did something right for itself, appoints its election supervisor, and what does the state of Florida do? Forces to elect one. Imagine uh, Pepe, Pepe supervisor you know, dumping ballots in the Miami River. Who would find it? No one. The river is so black, you can't, you couldn't find a, a ballot box. And that's exactly why Alex Pinellas, back during the hanging Chad's fiasco, he, a Democrat, stood up with his arms linked with uh, the, uh, with all his supporters at the door of the Dade County Elections Bureau and said, we're not recounting, period. The, there'll be blood on our hands if we recount. And that's right. Exactly right. Well, but at least in uh, Broward and Palm Beach counties now, we have uh, appointed uh, Republican supervisors of elections for the next uh, at least two years till the next election. Right. And the the system we want to deploy is a system that is used in Estonia, where it's been perfected with, it's called the e-government, which 99% of the government is uh, electronic, and i-voting. So you can actually vote with your cell phone. You can switch your vote. Uh, but it takes all the voter fraud out of the equation. So that's, I have actually discussed that with the supervisor's elections, and uh, hopefully the state will buy in because it's not expensive. And, you know, it's got a 15-year track record without any voter fraud in the little country of Estonia. So if we can deploy that here, uh, the right people have it. Well, I'll tell you, anytime, anytime we look outside of our borders for an example of how to no, behave, no. it's kind of a scary proposition. No, 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 because a lot of these countries... Look what a Ukraine just did, voting well, for a comedian. Well, you know, we, we voted for a TV personality. No, but a lot of times these countries go to the latest technology. Can we, because we're successful and complacent, don't always go for the latest technology. So I think it's worth looking at the Estonian system. Yeah, well, no, I mean, my IT guys from uh, my wireless group that they 
actually deployed the system. Okay. It's being used. Uh, they actually are using it in uh, now just uh, in Ukraine, in Kiev. Good. And a couple other uh, countries where they realized that, hey, it actually makes the government more efficient. Now, the, more efficient. What, technologically wise, what is it that it has that makes it foolproof? <clears throat> Well, it's, uh, it's got a, uh, the, the voter ID or the ID card, per se, has a dual encryption, so it's a dual signature. In fact, our vice president, Mike Pence, has one. On his last trip to Estonia, about four months ago, they gave him a, a card. Uh, now, he can't obviously vote because he's not a citizen, but it's an ID card that you can open up with a bank account, like e-residency. You can do a lot of things. If you're a, a Estonian uh, resident or uh, a voter, like one of my partners is from Estonia, and he can actually vote in the national elections uh, unless you're there, and then you can vote in the local. But you can vote over the phone, over the computer. I mean, if you use this, you put basically the ID card connects to you know any computer, laptop, your phone, anything, and that basically tells you who you are. So they have all their data, license, passport information, all that on a dual encrypted card. Well, that sounds like my GoID smart card. Uh, mind it you, sounds, yeah, it does, but it, with a little more functionality. Well, you know, mine was intended to to be able to vote with it, and the, the congressional version was tied to the elected official who has to vote with it as well, and forcing him to have to be in his seat throughout congressional sessions so they can uh, basically turn themselves out because they don't meet the attendance uh, record or criteria to run for re-election. And I think that's a better term limit idea, but we need to, we need that card, that encryption-type card. And I call that the punch-in, punch-out amendment, where instead of terming people out who might be very good at what they do, uh, we saw that in Florida how, if you look at in Florida, it looks like a daycare, you know, you know, 20-year-olds and 30-year-olds running for state legislator to pad their resumes for their futures, and it's not the dignified statesman that it used to be. And that's what term limit does to any state you pass it. You get amateur politicians running for office because they're going to be termed out. So you do it at the beginning of your career instead of at the end of your career like the colonists. The original framers, they were distinguished men successful in life who ran for uh, elected office after they were successful in their careers. Not And also keeps them from being corrupted. Exactly. So I don't know why we're pushing term limits. It's disgusting. This encrypted card you're talking about would probably... Uh, require another amendment to my book. What do you think, Ed? Another excuse not to print it? or what? No, you got to get your book out. I need to discuss that with you because that's something that should be added to the book because, you know, since I don't own patents, any of these ideas, I'm happy to hear what J.J. Uh, Flash just said because it makes my GoID smart card more legitimate because the technology is already out there. Have you ever heard of the Andahar card in India? Andahar? Yeah. There's a card that's called the Andahar card, and women who just give birth uh, need this card in order to get supplemental aid from the government of India. You can imagine, millions and millions of people. I was researching when Obama couldn't sign up 100,000 people to his Obamacare site. I was finding out what countries actually been able to sign up electronically a bunch of people. It turns out the Andahar card, 500 million people were able to sign on to a website, were given a card which was basically for uh, what our version of women and, cha- uh, and families, uh, supplemental nutrition and stuff, and breast, uh, you know, breast milk if the mother couldn't breastfeed. And they used this car called the Andahar card. And guess what? Your fingerprint technology 
had you got to hold the card in a, a specific spot in the card on the card, and then it would activate. I guess in the terminal, like you just said, mm-hmm. where you're holding the card, you slide it into the to the terminal, and it okays the you know the the allotment of food. Yeah, it authenticates. You yeah, it authenticates you to get the food, basically. So you're you're telling me that it's something more along those lines. So I'd like to uh, include it in my book if I can. Yeah, yeah, I'll send you some more information on that. It's it's a pretty straight up process, and you know you wonder why more governments are not uh, trying to be more efficient. Well, they won't even allow you put a photo ID in the freaking card. I mean, it's so obvious we should have a photo ID on our voting card. My God, it's interesting that Mexico has very strict voter ID laws and immigration laws. You can't. Right. <laughs> an American can't just go into Mexico. But the voter ID is very strict. Because they had had corruption for so long that they realized in order to make the elections believable, they had to be very strict. And so that, that is a real achievement. Well, it is. It is. And that's, that's really the way uh, you really have to operate you know, in this day and age. Well, you know, we, uh, we're looking forward to it. Um, we got to let you go now. We got to prepare for the statues and story segment of our show. Are you going to be calling on a regular basis, or are you just teasing us? Yeah, we'll, we'll help you out when, when needed. Remember, we gotta we got to see what kind of audience demographics and uh, see what the wireless uh, aspect looks like down there in Key Biscayne. Yep. You got it's it. much-needed uh, requirement. Well, well, you know, we've got we've got a plenty of dirty laundry here about Comcast, so let's, okay. do, let's do something. Well, great job, Mac. Great job, Ed. Talk okay. to you soon. You Bye-bye. bet. Thank you. Cheers. That's J.J. Flash, also known as a taxpaying American patriot who uh, pretty much understands worldwide news and has a global news network. Well, he's the chief executive officer of Global One News. Yes. Yeah. And uh, there's nothing fake about that news, right? No. Nope. All good stuff. Yep. I noticed that he has a, a pretty cool presence in Asia, too. He has uh, information technology, I mean, news coming out of Asia. Yep. And that's, I think, something that Americans should listen to get more news out of what's going on on a regular basis because I do know I do notice that Fox Business does talk about the Orient um, public uh, exchanges mm-hmm. stock exchanges we should we should have a keener eye on the like the news coming out of Hong Kong for instance that's English Hong Kong Shanghai Seoul Korea Tokyo Japan those are all very active stock Americans exchanges. have got Singapore a, too yes those are really Really powerful economies that are that we're competing against, and it's not a fair fight because they don't have minimum wages in those countries. You can hire however you want to hire. You know, we have to we have to expense the costs. But we have a greater respect for the rule of law, which we have to preserve, and that's a big factor. In fact, and quality control. <clears throat> okay, yeah, but for example, in Singapore and Hong Kong, the commercial law is English law. And that's always been a big factor in their benefit that they are able to to have that kind of legal stability. Now, you you find that the the is there if there's a flaw in the English law, what would it be? Is is it commercial harsher? Law, I don't. Uh, it's not very different from American commercial law. It's it's very good. It's the best in the world. Anglo-American commercial law, constitutional law, is the best in the world. Okay, but in respect to labor conditions and uh, and and. Labor wages? No, they don't. Uh, that's not commercial law. Doesn't affect that. None. No, it's just uh, contracts, property rights. So a minimum, uh, a minimum pay 
is a creation it's of a legislation. The legislation. So, but it's a creation of the United States, or was no, it com- was it it's common? Everywhere. It's it started in Europe. Started in Europe. A lot of Once those socialist again. ideas started in Europe. Yeah. And it's ravaging the New York restaurant business. I hear. Oh, absolutely! If you get to fifteen bucks an hour, you can't sell a McDonald's hamburger. You can't make any money. Right. At fifteen bucks an hour, forget it, man. And there are all these uh, kiosks for ordering food too. Well, you're just pushing. You're just pushing that agenda. More automation. Yeah, yeah. I can already see the sexy, uh, the sexy waiter in in the Jetsons. Remember the the cartoon, the Jetsons. Yep. No, the waiter I've would seen, come yeah. on track on a four tracks, you know, and she would serve your food. Is it cold? Is it hot? Oh, 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 reject food, reject food, reject, reject, and. Uh, that's where we're headed, man. If you get the $15 an hour, you can guarantee that your McDonald's will be fully automated. Once again, when the food line starts, as a conservative, funny, I'll be the, serving. The restaurant on Union Square where Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was a bartender is closing. And part of the reason is that— People uh, stop, stop it's going the minimum wage. Yeah, well, no, no. It's a minimum <laughs> wage. It's thought to be. And now, but it's being reopened, and guess what it's going to be? What's the worst thing that she would want a, a, a fast food chain to open up? Chinese fast food chain? No. Chick-fil-A. Oh, my God. Yes. What's up? No, yeah. The Chick-fil-A. Progressives like the Chinese. Well, uh, this is a sign that Adam Levinson is on the air. There we go. And I'm going to put Ed up to the task to, to uh, convince him to talk long enough so that I can reprogram my file. Okay. Is this the Statues and Stories genius, Adam Levinson? No, 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 but good evening, everybody. No, 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 but good evening. What what kind of reply Welcome, is that? Welcome, Adam. Thank you for calling. Absolutely. I, I start off with a compliment. You know, Is that, is that brown-nosing in radio? I'm sorry. Forgive me. Forgive we me. Have yeah. be, we have to be humble when we talk about American history because right. of the giants that we're going to be talking about tonight. Yep. I fully agree. If you like our programming on WSQF 94.5 in Key Biscayne, you can also hear us very far away nationwide, WSQFradio.com. And if you like our audio files and our subject matter, subscribe to YouTube Mac on the Rock Rampage. Take care and stay free.